copycats, cancer, and cancellations. Welcome to Marvel vs. Marvel, and welcome to the 20th episode. It's going to be a real celebration of Marvel vs. Marvel. Um, this is the podcast where uh, a movie fan who's never read a comic book before in his life rewatches Marvel movies and quizzes the absolute heck out of a, a Marvel expert who's been reading comics for over 35 years. Welcome to the 20th episode of that format. It's not going anywhere. I'm Rob Holden, writer, comedian, and the Marvel expert half of the equation. And joining me for the 20th installment, and he's not got any less ignorant, it's Mr. Will Preston. Hello. I don't know what the correct word for 20 is, like uh, the second... Twentuple. Twentuple. It's the, the twentuple uh, <laughs> level of ignorance I've bought here. Uh, very, very significant indeed. We got some requests previously. We used to do. We used to check the format before every episode began, and we've not been doing it recently because we figured everyone's in the know. We've had some requests, so I will just confirm. I've been reading Marvel comic books since I was about four years old. Thirty plus years of reading them. Bought some wonderful new ones recently. Um, from our good friends at Nash Comics, Will, oh, yes. is the format intact? Please let us know how many Marvel comics have you read in your lifetime? Zero. Oh, it's a vanilla zero from Willie P. That's what we like to hear. The format is intact. 20 episodes going strong. And this episode is not just special because it's the 20th, but we decided that in 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 favor of that in in honor of that we're going to roll out one of the most popular marvel movies one of the most sought after and requested um projects for us to cover and that is deadpool Ooh. the deadpool movie from 2016 the second outing of the character but <laughs> one that people would hope would be the first um and we've got all sorts. Man, I tell you, we've got all sorts to talk about in this episode. <laughs> I am absolutely buzzing about it. We're going to be finding out what people knew and thought about Deadpool before the movie came out. And I'm already doing it. As I start to say Deadpool, you'll catch me saying Daredevil. I, it, it, I don't know if it's dyslexia or no, insanity, a brain tumour, who knows? They, 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 they both almost look the same. <laughs> in terms of in terms of their costumes, they look almost exactly the same. We're going to be exploring what is perhaps the most interesting uh, production side of a movie we've ever spoken about and dealt about. How the movie got greenlit and got out there, and how it took a tiny budget and got like tons of people to go and see it. We're going to talk about Ryan Reynolds. We're going to be talking about the, frankly, uh, the wildest. History of a character we've ever covered, Will. We've ever covered. Yeah. And I'm going to put it out here. Little teaser, little taste for yeah. you. This movie doesn't happen without Tumblr. That's a little Ooh. snippet. We've got a lot to get into. Video games. You're going to love all the video game stuff, Will. It, it, it's a big, bold episode um, to celebrate our 20th. Um, there's so many hours of, con of content in the archive. We keep hearing from people each and every week telling us, this is their first time they've heard us, and they and they love it. So if that's you, if this is the first part of your journey, if you're joining us for the first time, please check out the archive. 19 other episodes 
of Marvel fun from, from the MCU that you'll know and love to perhaps some um, less remembered movies, Blade, um, we've got Daredevil, Ghost Rider that we did uh, in the last episode, Fantastic Four, then of course we've got the huge hits that aren't MCU, X-Men, Spider-Man, and this will be a part of that as well. It's been a wild journey. Part of the journey is to discover how people in, in, the, in the mainstream, outside of the comic book community, discovered these characters for the first time. That's the really exciting part and the interesting part um, of what we go through. We've only got one rule on this podcast, Will. What is that rule? That rule is no gatekeeping. Hashtag no gatekeeping because everybody is welcome. These characters do not belong to anyone. It does not matter the slightest if a movie is your first introduction to a character. Good. Well done. Congratulations. Brilliant. That's just as valid and as awesome as someone who has read the comics. And that's what me and Will represent, the two ends of the spectrum. Um, Although Will does have to uh, keep me in check because every now and then (laughs) I slightly cock a snoot at uh, <laughs> at non superhero fans, and that might come up a little bit in this in this episode. So I, I think you do that check, to most opinions I have. <laughs> mm. Oh, I've I've seen I've seen you online talk about some of your favourite movies in the last week or so, or movies <laughs> that you thought were good, and it rolled my eyes. Um, <laughs> so we'll just have to do Gen- on general movies. You're pretty decent. I think when you get into the superhero fair, you stray off into areas like Kick Ass and The Kingsman and. Oh, that was a bleak day. I nearly ended the partnership, I must admit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got so much to be to be doing and getting on with, but uh, i tell you what else has got a lot to be getting on with. Mr. Will Preston doesn't just put out content through Marvel vs. Marvel. He's on the Twitch. He's only oh, yeah. on the Twitch, you know, like a 16-year-old. He's like one of them, only <laughs> ancient. <laughs> what have you been up to on Twitch recently, Will? Let us it know. Does- it does feel like I'm grooming people. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, uh, I know, I know. I, can't, I couldn't resist. I, I, I've been mainly playing Skyrim like a massive nerd. Uh, I've been playing through that. and I've, I've been getting quite a few viewers back as well. I've been getting the, the numbers back up. And everybody's ooh, been ooh. joining in, giving me advice and making fun of me. Uh, and, and really just making fun of my bow technique. So, mm. Can I ask a question about Skyrim? Yeah, sure. Do you, at any stage in Skyrim, rim the sky? Is no. That part, is that no, it, it, oh. it never happens. It, oh. It's really annoying because I only bought it for that. <laughs> you did, I even, fella. I got the VR version just for the full effect as well. <laughs> <laughs> How can we find you on Twitch, Will? How can we go about following your Skyrim adventures? You can find me on twitch.tv slash willpreston87. Uh, I, I I'm on there about twice a week, maybe three times, depending if I have an ex- a bit of extra time. But you can find the schedule on there. You'll find out when I'm on. Just go on there, twitch.tv slash willpreston87. Exciting stuff. Now, let's uh, let's take a little. This is the part that that really is the crux of the whole yeah. conceit of the show. We take a dive into the mind of a muggle. We 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 see what Willie P. Uh, a regular Joe, a man on the street, a man of ignorance. What would he possibly know before this movie came out about the character Deadpool? Was there any 
awareness for you representing like the majority of people there was actually there was really? I, I i got told by uh, people who were into comics uh about deadpool and they said oh deadpool's really funny he's basically like he's basically like those other previous iterations of uh mock superhero like you know like freakazoid and earthworm jim the like he's of that vein ah. but a bit more irreverent um and i had an ex who was re- massively into deadpool and and I think the vibe I pretty much got was they could never make a Deadpool movie because they wouldn't get it right because they hmm. need to really go for it if they they want to get it right. And, and have you have you been in touch with this ex since the movie came out? Do you know if what they uh, thought of this? No, 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 no. She's one of the worst <laughs> exes I've ever had. Uh, the less said about her, the be- actually no, I could probably talk about her, but I'll probably save I'm, that I'm, for I'm, uh, I'm, for something else. But I, I know it's painful, Will. But I mean, journalistically, we do need you to make that phone call. So get your phone out because listen, this show comes before your personal pain. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to be done. Not going to happen. Oh dear me. But yeah, he, he's not a character that, that that was too much out there. But that's in, so you were made aware by comic book fans. It wasn't like you'd been made aware by by non fans. It was a bleed over, as it were. It was it, it it was actually people who were really into Marvel, and then I discovered who Deadpool was through that. And I was mm. like, oh, and then people are going, yeah, they ruined him in that Wolverine film. They didn't, they didn't get it right. <laughs> uh, I was like, well, they didn't get a lot of things right in that Wolverine film, to be fair. I was looking forward to Remy Leboa, and uh, they ruined him. They ruined him. Oh, ruined Gambit. Yeah. So did you, um, is this one of the ones you saw at the cinema? I did indeed see Deadpool at the cinema. I think uh, I was with another ex at the time, but she didn't come. But uh, I, I, I went to see, your body count on this episode is getting up to Deadpool levels of body counts. I, I, <laughs> two X's in five minutes. But th- this one I do still speak to every now and again, but not that much to be honest. But um, you know, on on okay terms. But uh, I went to see it, and then because she was like, oh, I I I, I don't know. Um, she's Greek, and she she preferred to watch things with English subtitles on because her English wasn't amazing. So mm. we watched it, and she enjoyed it. And then I got Mum to watch it, and of course, Mum enjoyed it. It was her uh, right up her street. <laughs> uh, shout out! What, what? 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 You forgive me? Is it Sue? Is your mum's name Sue? My mum is my mum's name Sue. Yes. Shout out to Sue. She's a big fan of the show. We get <laughs> some great is. reviews from Sue on on Podbean. We absolutely love to see it. Um, <laughs> fan of every, as you should be a fan of everything that Willie Pete does. Um, so that's so that's one that Will has seen at the cinema. It's amazing how many of these slipped you by and you caught later on. Uh, you know, a bargain, a bargain box DVD set at two in the morning. That's how most mm. of, most of you, that's how most of the time you consume these Marvel movies. Um, yeah. So a fantastic one we saw at the cinema. Now we're, we're going to get into the character mm. in just a little, just a little bit, and we're going to hear from people that've written into us all about Deadpool um, in just a little while. But we're we're always interested to see how the movie actually came about. And this section's going to be a little bit meatier than normal. I can, I'm can, i going to get my teeth into this, Will. You've got something for us to get our teeth into. We want to hear the dollars and cents. We want to hear the budget. <laughs> we want to hear the box office. We want to hear about everything, though. So what can you tell us about 2016's Deadpool movie? 
This, I think it's the most interesting one. Also, I was going to point out when you first died, it's episode 20, and it was done by 20th Century Fox. Conspiracy? Probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 okay, okay we'll, get, we'll get down to everything about it, because there's so much to discuss behind the, behind the curtain. Uh, but first of all, we go to, we go to a budget. Also, oh, actually, before we go budget, it, would this arguably be uh, the first comedy Marvel film, would you say? No. We'd, no. 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 Okay. 1986, Howard the Duck. Damn it. I had a feeling it was going to be one. Howard the Duck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. 2014, Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, okay. I w- yeah, we can, we can class that as comedy. We can class that as comedy. We can, because it is. It's as much a comedy as this film is. Okay. It has okay more, this one that. has more jokes, but it doesn't make it more of a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... The budget on this was fifty-eight million dollars, but the box office was seven hundred and eighty-two point six million. I am, if I was a betting man, I would bet that that is the best return on investment on any Marvel film. <clears throat> it's huge. It's, it's a huge return. Huge. Um, we talk about the. The, the 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 brilliant gains that that Blade made, um, in in the first outing that no one was expecting to do, to to, to really change the needle. And as as good as that was, um, that Blade movie isn't necessarily steeped in a kind of comic book aura. I I, I we talked about this. Go back yeah. and, and and check out that Blade movie, we both don't really think that that movie was sold to the public on the idea that it was a comic book movie. It was... No, no, um, no. It was a, an act, a Wesley Snipes kung fu action vampire movie at the height of all those things being incredibly, incredibly popular. That It's just, you know, not, not a too dissimilar budget, 45 mil, and the Blade pulls down... Um, uh, it's between 100 and 150 million dollars which is amazing which changed everyone's yeah. minds but it, it, you know it is not comparable and then you talk about one of the highest grossing films um of of kind of the well the pre MCU era we talk about Spider-Man the first Spider-Man film 2002 that spent like 130 million and took down over 800 million that's amazing, but this is doing similar numbers with <laughs> half, more than half the budget. It's 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 crazy. It's you, you can tell it. Ha- is it the thing with this film? You can tell it doesn't have a massive budget. You can tell it has yeah. like a medium budget, and that and that's what I, I, I think that's mm, what I liked about it. I think you only feel it in the the kind of there's like a. There's this, almost a small number of characters yeah. compared to a normal blockbuster. Incredibly there, small. There aren't a lot of locations. There aren't. <laughs> there's not a lot of lo, You know, there's not a lot of exterior locales. There's yeah. not. Un, there's not a lot of set pieces for an action movie. So you yeah. kind of feel it there. But I don't think anything looks bad. No effect looks bad at all. Uh, well, to my mind, anyway, you might correct me on this. Well, with your no, hyper detailed freeze frames, scan the imagery, <sighs> identify a bit of graphics that went wrong. 
I, I think I think for the for the for, for what it is, the effects are quite good. But you can just tell the budget wasn't wasn't big, obviously because of the locations and because of uh, how many big names are in. I mean, how many big names are in this film? What Ryan Reynolds, who's not a big name, I'm afraid at the time. Oh, he's not, not a big, big name. name. That's well, he's the biggest name you not have. Really, he's the biggest name you have. But he's had this is like his first hit in a long time. Yeah, you know, since Van like, Wilder. Yeah, he had he had all, a string of like terrible comedies. Yeah, I mean, it's possible I'm overlooking something, and please write in and let me know if I'm wrong. String of terrible comedies. Blade Trinity wasn't any any hock. Uh, Green Lantern, I think it's underrated, uh, but it didn't do any business. Really, it didn't. You know, it certainly didn't set the world on fire, and nothing came of it. So that's seen as a failure. When when you have a, a thing that's meant to be like a franchise, and it doesn't get a sequel. The perception is it's a failure, even if you know it perhaps did well and 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 sold a lot of tickets. I, I you know, he's certainly a name that people know because he keeps making things <laughs> at this point. And um, you know, he he his relationship with Blake Lively was fairly high profile. You know, it's a power couple kind of arrangement that keeps you in the entertainment press. I'm sure that helps his Q rating <laughs> to a certain degree. Yeah, but yeah, I mean. By comparison, we're not going to talk about the sequel too much, but the sequel spends the money to get a bunch of dumb, dumb cameos for no reason. Just Uh, as like a got them, like when they go to the X Mansion, they open it. He walks past an open door. Everyone's there. Then the door closes. Right? They spend the money to get that. There's a there's a Matt Damon cameo in this. I mean, we're talking about Matt Damon says a secret cameo in Deadpool two, and there's lots of like weird little things like I that. I thought it was Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt was the secret. Brad Pitt's cameo. that what I meant? Yeah, the Brad. Matt, I, I, Matt Damon I know. is the new Brad Pitt. That's what I meant. I know, but at the same time, okay, so the Brad Pitt one obviously it was like a, almost felt like an Easter egg. But the one with the X Men, obviously, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll lend it after this. I'll, I'll say I'll, I, I felt like that was justified. Because it was like a it was like a callback joke, and it was like a nice quick. Oh, there they are! Sure, yeah, yeah. They've got the money now, so they're going to spend it. But you didn't yeah. have any of that in in this one. You're absolutely right. No, no, no. So that is such a huge fifty eight million to seven hundred, and what was it? Seven eighty, seven eighty two. Seven eight seven hundred eighty two point six. Also, I, I want to I want to put in there before we get 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 down to how it was marketed. I want to point out that at the time, I think before Joker came out, Joker took the crown. Um, last year, it was the highest-grossing R-rated movie ever, and went to, as an argument to show how successful R-rated movies can be. Because this is the thing with a lot of superhero and uh, action uh, franchises, especially stuff like Terminator, where they've had to sort of tone things down a bit for for a bigger audience. Like you can't do like Terminator One and Two. Oh, hello. I was. I want to be clear. Yeah. That when you say a bigger audience. It is important we all remember what that that is like a euphemism, and it's a euphemism for China. Nothing else. Oh. Nothing else. R-rated movies have always made buttloads of money in America. They'll make buttloads oh. of money in Europe. But China's China is such a huge and powerful market, and it has such tight restrictions oh, on wow. violent sex and swearing. That is why all these movies. Oh, I, I get annoyed. You know, comedies. You don't. You will never get a comedy like Beverly Hills Cop or Forty Eight Hours or any of those. <laughs> you know, ones that you, we kind of grew up watching and was like every other word is 
F this and MF that and yeah. and it's, it's just over the top. They they take to so taking the the, the, the Terminator franchise. I, I have to say that like, Terminator Two isn't exactly that over the top. Um, the violence isn't particularly graphic. The swearing there's a fair bit of swearing in it, but yeah, th- this this like um, um, sanitizing it for a global for a bigger audience, a wider audience, a global audience. It means China, and it's okay. all the restrictions China have on what movies they will and won't show in that country. Um, and what you have with some of these films is filmmakers who say, that's fine, we're just not going to go to China then. We accept now we will never make a billion dollars. Yeah. We're okay with that. We want to make the movie we want to make. But I, yeah, I, sorry, back to you. No, I was about to say, I, was about to say, I, 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 like, I, like, I like that because, because I, I, I feel... I, I, I want to get the full experience out of film that they intended. I don't want people going, well, we've got to take this bit out and do this because, ah, Mark won't make as much money. I just, I, I, I'm not saying Deadpool's art. I don't, I want to steer clear from that sentence, <laughs> but I want it to be as unspoiled as possible. <laughs> Man, I think we need to put a public, we need to put that out on the Twitter. We need to make sure people know we are not saying Deadpool is art. We are not saying <laughs> Deadpool is art. Yeah, man, yeah. and they took um, and, and you, you've got more to, to speak about about how this movie got made, and we'll, we'll we'll get to that very shortly. But they actively, Ryan Reynolds and Co. actively took less money from Fox to make the movie mm. in order to have more control. Ah. I believe they were offered more than the fifty-eight million, mm. um, but they accepted less in order to gain more creative control over the projects and what a decision um that was for them to make something that they cared about um you you know what you can care about knob jokes (laughs) you can care (laughs) about excessive extreme violence you can care about things that aren't art and you can be passionate about character that isn't i don't know uh, intensely philosophical. Uh, these things are okay. It's fine, and it's mm. good to care about these things and to be. If it meant something to you, care about it and 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 look what you can do with that. You know, exactly, exactly. Uh, and I'll be so, at the front so, arguing that. What can you tell us then, Will? Because we talked a lot about this, and we had quite a lot of people get in touch and, and tell us um, <clears throat> that lots of non superhero fans lots of non-marvel fans lots of non-comic book fans got in touch to say i hate these things or i don't like these things or i'm sick of these things or i'm bored of these things but i saw the trailer for that or i heard about it and i went to the cinema and it feels like and we've talked about this you know off air it's the marketing campaign of this Mm. movie that took that fifty-eight million and turned it into seven eight two. Exactly. Uh, it, it wasn't. I mean, part part of that was marketing campaign. Also, it, it was because the film got leaked. Did, didn't didn't test footage get leaked as well? Yeah. Well, that's how it all. I mean, that's how it became. But that's because it was. It'd been in production in developmental hell, as they call it, yeah. for a long, long time, many, many years, um, and. I believe Ryan Reynolds was floating the idea um, during Blade Trinity, which was written by David S. Goya, who has written lots of comic book-based movies, um, Mm. pre-MCU. He's also written some comic books as well. 
Yeah. Just the Society of American stuff. And he was floating the idea around then. That's how long Ryan Reynolds has been Oof. attached to the project. That is a long time. But but when Fox had it, you know, it was this test footage of Reynolds in the in the suit that they had, especially when they spent the money to get the suit made, and he's, you know, mucking around and doing doing jokes and being funny and doing lines and things. And that test footage, which was held doing nothing for a long time, somehow got leaked to the public. And message boards blew up, social media blew up, the fans came out of all the woodwork to share and reshare and to go mad, to post and to comment about it. And that big um, upswing in attention, as the story goes, was, was leveraged to get Fox to... Uh, green light the project and, and and say okay we'll do a movie but you don't get much money just to just to uh, confirm it, it is be- this whole thing happened because of the interview that film the interview wasn't it what do you mean the well, whole be- the whole leaking thing that it was it was a scandal at the time because it was the James Franco film the interview uh, mm. where they interviews basically Kim Jong Kim Jong uh, Kim Jong Il no Kim Jong Un oh, no, yeah, Com- yeah. Com- yeah Kim Jong Un um, and it, 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 they basically uh, there was a hacker. There was a Sony were had a cyber attack, and then all this got leaked, and that's how it happened. I thought that was because oh, I, I didn't realize it was part of that leak. I think it was part of that leak. I think wow. that I think it was wow. all part of that leak. So much happened out of that leak. It was thank it, you, North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> career. You've done something good for once. Um, yeah, it was it was uh, part of that. But we'll go. We'll talk about the, uh, the marketing. Uh, sorry, talk about the leaking in a bit. I just wanted to get that out of the way. Uh, let's talk about the marketing because it's it's absolutely absurd. I mean, so much different things happened. Obviously, I think the trailer for Deadpool is one of those only trailers I watched over and over again. I thought the trailer really yeah. hammered home what I wanted to see out of this. Um, they had billboards uh, all around. One of them was, because uh, there's a joke in the film about an emoji, they had basically text emojis, which was a skull, and then a poo, and then an L. So, dead, poo, L, dead, poo. And that was just the post, that was the billboard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll bring up, I've got to bring this up, because um, I've got, got to remind myself what it looks like. Cause there's another one that really made me laugh, which was, it was a billboard. <laughs> it was... It was a. It was Ryan Reynolds and the romantic lead, sort of hugging and looking, looking happy, and it was framed to look like it was a romance, a romance film for chicks. So, I remember that distinctly. Yeah, that was a really that was a good one. Yeah, that was incredibly good. It's like Deadpool, true love never dies. <laughs> Valentine's Day, and it did. Yeah, it came out around Valentine's Day. I think both in this country and in the states. That's I, I don't know if oh, that's no, the weirdest film. Just the states. All oh, right, I was about to say the weirdest film to come out on Valentine's Day for me was Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> that was <laughs> the weirdest film to come out on Valentine's. I don't know who's seen that, but yeah, that was that was one of them. Also, uh, there was uh, if you I think you were part of the uh, Deadpool emailing list. Uh, you you got a copy of the script featuring annotations from Deadpool, which basically looked like. Uh, Crayons, really, just or, or red, red, red ink, and it was just little, little, uh, like anarchic little uh, doodles at the side of it. Uh, and, it and I'm just looking at it now, and it is quite funny. Uh, and then also you had uh, made up beef with Hugh Jackman because obviously uh, Ryan Reynolds was obsessed with getting Hugh Jackman to come on board with the film, <laughs> and and it's there are references to this, little references and Easter eggs in the film. 
Uh, let me just get. Let me just see if I can get it. Oh, no, I can't. But basically, uh, he, Ryan Reynolds just went on Twitter, and I think Hugh Jackman responded uh, as well. Like, you know, come on, hey, come on, come on, mate, get that like, be in my film, hey, hey, hey. And I think there's a tweet of uh, Hugh Jackman put where it's just uh, Wolverine with the one like a middle finger claw popping up with uh, Deadpool on it or something. And so it was, it was nice beef. I think it was nice beef. You can't. I don't. From what I'm told, Hugh Jackman's the, the nicest man in Hollywood. You can't really have bad beef with him. Um, but that's really interesting because bleeding off the popularity of Wolverine yep. to help Deadpool. Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> that is like that is like the movie slash the real world reflecting the comic book slash real world. Um, so that that's really that's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, if anything, uh, the last point on this on the marketing campaign is it was just Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds was the man pushing the whole thing. Yeah, he he did PR in the he did PR junkets in the costume. Yeah, he did talk. He he took over. Oh, that might be in the sequel. But he did so much. Like he did local TV, you know, local TV stations across America. He'd appear in the costume. Um, he, he'd do interviews in the costume as the character, not as "Hi, I'm Ryan Reynolds wearing the cap, wearing the." You know, he would try and take that kind of fourth wall idea yeah. and push it even for even further. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's it is. Um, I think it's a testament to how much you get done with. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is not leveraging his huge star power to make this happen because yeah. I don't believe. I don't mean this is an insult at all, but I don't believe he had huge star power at the time. This was like sheer force of will and like sheer belief that what they've got is 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 good and has an an audience available. Um, and yeah, it, it, w- w- if we ever cover the sequel, we'll we'll talk about how much creative control he subsequently gained over the project, and that's um, to be commended. Really is. Oh, totally, totally. But shall we get back uh, onto the leak? Uh, because yes, apparently, please. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, uh, apparently, it might not be, just be him, it might be other people, they're vowing to find the person who leaked the Deadpool test footage. Uh, yeah, I... I, 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 I Is I, he going to look in a mirror? Is that what he's going to do? Why, do you, do, because... you, do, you, do you think he leaked it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> you genuinely think... I, 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 well, I believe it's either him or it's someone else very, very connected to the project for a while leaked it. And I, I, I'm ignorant as to everyone connected to the project for a long time, but Ryan Reynolds is the most passionate person about Deadpool. Yeah. And leaking the test footage is what got it greenlit. I mean, follow the money, as the <laughs> saying goes. Kubeno, uh, who benefits? Um, yeah. If you're going to solve a mystery... That's where I would start, anyway. Exactly. I, I, start. That would not surprise me. Uh, I, I, or you know, you could have just think Korea. That's I, that's that's the scapegoat. Korea are the are the uh, red herring. Yeah, it, it depends. M- maybe, maybe if it hadn't worked, it would have ruined his career. Mm. But I don't know. I, it, I, it, it's an odd thing to go this long and not be discovered if it, it was leaked by. Uh, uh, who, how, how, it depends on how hard people are looking into it, doesn't it? Really? I, I I know. Also, this is the most uh, conspiracy theory we've ever sounded in this podcast. <laughs> we've crossed that barrier now, and it's getting very weird. <laughs> it's, it's 
episode 20. It is tinfoil hat time on that <laughs> cast. <laughs> MVM yeah. going conspiracy theories. Um, that's what we want to see. Will, thank you for that, because that is quite a uh, quite a journey on the Hollywood side of things. Let's take a little time now to explore and go through the the history of the character and the journey to get here from the comic book side of things. Because, Will, man, we've never had anything like this in 20 episodes. We've never had anything like this in Marvel vs. Marvel so far. You're, there's some exciting things to talk about, especially in the video game areas that you're going to really be jazzed Ooh. about. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's 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 certainly the most unique path we've looked at. Um, this is the most modern character we've we've to get their own movie that we've looked at. Really? Um, yeah. Um, he's uh, he's created in 1990. Oh wow. Um, so it's it, it, 1990. <clears throat> there's a an artist called Rob Leefield, uh, a bombastic macho artist in terms of his art, not him as a person. Mm. Uh, we're, we're we're in the what you call the image era, okay? Where dynamic artists like Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, Jim Valentino. And Rob Liefeld can really transform a Marvel or a DC comic book sales with their impressive front covers and their exciting artwork inside. This is also the era of the X-Men. Chris Claremont, as we talked about in our X-Men episode, has turned the X-Men into an absolute powerhouse of a comic book in the 1980s. From one of the worst performing comic books to the biggest and secured them this this cartoon series that's about to start, this toy line, all of that comes from Chris Claremont's incredible like 16-year run on, on the X-Men. Now, the X-Men have a spin-off comic book um, around this time um, that's called The New Mutants, which is about a new generation. You might, you know, there was, a, there was a movie about it very recently. It's about a new generation of teenagers mm. training to become X-Men. Sales are in the absolute toilet. It's the worst performing of all the X-Men books. Marvel are desperate to inject some new life into this, or they're going to have to cancel the series. So they hand New Mutants over to Rob Liefeld, who is getting a lot of attention and has done increased sales over at DC for a uh, another you know comic book that no one was buying called Hawk and Dove. They hand New Mutants <laughs> over to... Rob Leefield and, and writer Fabian Nassiza. And straight away, there is a big upswing in sales. In, in, in their second in- issue, they introduce a character called Cable. Mm. A grim, brooding, and violent stranger with a dark, mysterious past and a secret connection to the X-Men. New Mutants almost immediately start selling an additional... 300,000 copies a month. Ooh. That's Rob Leefield. It's Fabian Nassiza, to be be sure, but it's Rob Leefield and it's Cable. As the sales continue on this upward trend, Marvel know Rob Leefield is becoming a superstar. He's the reason people are buying the comic. So they give him more creative control over over the series. 
he becomes the plotter coming up with the stories <laughs> and the Caesar becomes the guy that writes all the dialogue. Mm. Um, Leafield is throwing out tons of new characters. It's important to know that because it's not like he introduces a new character and it's a hit. He introduces a new character and it's a hit. It's more like throwing pasta at a wall to see what <laughs> sticks. Okay, tons of new characters, new heroes, new villains, new anything. Um, Leafield is looking for a hit in cable massively was and Cable would go on to dominate X-Men storylines for like five or six years from New Mutants over to the regular series um, and, it, and it's during this time that Deadpool first appears he first appears in the New Mutants as a deadly mercenary sent to kill Cable and the, the teenage superheroes now in the 1980s we go over to the competition DC Comics they're having wild success with a comic book called The New Teen Titans. And in that, <laughs> there is a deadly mercenary called Deathstroke who's sent to kill ah. the teenage superheroes. Yeah, I know Deathstroke. Everything about Deadpool originally, in his design and his intent, is almost a direct ripoff of Deathstroke. The concept, the design... Carrying swords and guns at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, much yeah. so that when um, the Caesar first saw the concept, um, sorry, the design for the character, he says that looks like you've uh, you've just drawn Deathstroke. Um, and, and when it came time to create Deadpool's surname, the Caesar made fun of Rob Leefield by giving Wade the same last name as Deathstroke. <laughs> <laughs> Both had Slade as the surname because mm. the Caesar was just like openly drawing a parallel and poking fun and, and taking the taking the Mickey. Mm. Now, when 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 Deadpool first appears, you would not recognise him. I mean, design wise, appearance wise, you would, but Deadpool appears as a grim, brooding, and violent stranger with a dark and mysterious past and a secret connection to the X Men, exactly the same as Cable. Uh. The year earlier, um, unfortunately, that is because Rob Leefield only has one record, and he <laughs> plays it again and again and again. In fact, in the same issue where Deadpool makes his first appearance, we also get the first appearance of Gideon, mm. a grim, brooding, and violent stranger <laughs> with a dark, mysterious past and a secret connection to the X Men. And we also get the first Ugh. appearance of Domino, a grim, brooding, and violent stranger with a dark, mysterious past and a secret connection to the X-Men. Wow. But none of that matters because the characters are so 90s. It's unreal. And that makes them a hit. They capture the spirit of macho fiction in superhero comics at the time. So mm. much so... That in 1991, Marvel cancels the New Mutants and has Leefield and the Caesar relaunch Cable and the Teenage X-Men in a brand new comic called X-Force. Mm. Brilliant name. Brilliant, you know, team name and, and, and title name of the comic. Issue one sells over five million copies. Ooh. It's the biggest selling comic book of all time when it's released. That record got 
beat not too long after, but X-Force issue one still remains to this day the second biggest selling comic of all time. And it's it's in X-Force that Deadpool would make numerous appearances as the mercenary gunning for the team and trying to kill Cable. You know, mm. He's a villain. Straight up villain, grim, n- nothing that you would recognise from, from, from the movie. This success is absolutely huge for Marvel. Um, Rob Leefield appears in a Spike Lee-directed commercial for Levi Jeans, highlighting him as the superstar artist behind X-Force. <laughs> you cannot buy publicity like that. That's insane. You buy it. it, it the, the, the commercials out there on, on YouTube, it was like a commercial put together to highlight people with really cool jobs, mm. and they're wearing Levi, right? Um <laughs> Marvel have a, a line of X-Men action figures um, spinning out of their hugely popular Fox cartoon series, which we've talked about a lot. It was a real touchstone in the 90s. Marvel make the decision. The first line of toys from the X-Men cartoon series was really, really successful. Mm. Marvel and Toy Biz decide the second wave of these toys will be based around Cable Deadpool and X-Force. Ooh. That's the popularity level in, in, in this period of time. In 93, Deadpool gets his own limited series written by Caesar, but with no input from Rob Leefield. Good. Right. <laughs> After what you told me, it's like, get him away. Get him Rob away. Rob Leefield had left Marvel um, with... Jim Lee, Jim Valentino, mm. Todd McFarlane, every other superstar freelancer, they all left Marvel en masse in the early 90s, walked out the front door, and started their own rival comic company called Image Comics, which to this day publishes The Walking Dead and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I've heard them from. Yeah. The Deadpool's first series in 93... Very similar to a lot of X-Men stories at the time. It's focused on Deadpool's black, mercenary life, his, his, his shady past in Black Ops military stuff. It's very derivative of Wolverine's solo series. And, and it's not anything like what the character would become. Um, by 95, Deadpool's popularity has practically evaporated. He's relegated to a few minor appearances here and there. Like from the... He was white hot in 91, 92, maybe 93. By 95, you couldn't get a a, a colder character. Um, In 1997, things really change. Well, hmm. okay, I'm overstating that. (laughs) Creatively, things change. In 97... Um, Deadpool there's a new Deadpool series from writer Joe Kelly and artist Ed McGuinness and this is where Deadpool changes forever Okay. now Deadpool is funny (laughs) which relatively hadn't happened before Mm. it's still not popular Marvel goes out of their way to tell Kelly and McGuinness that sales are so low they should really only expect to last five or six issues. They're constantly being told, you're under threat of cancellation, you're under threat of cancellation. 
the sales aren't good. Got to get the sales up, guys. You're going to get cancelled. Mm. And and several times it is saved by an outpouring of um, fan fan enthusiasm, like letter writing campaigns from fans of the comic book, because Jed, Joe Kelly and Ed McGuinness are doing something with Deadpool that Marvel fans haven't really had in a little while, and it's really fun for them. Mm. But there's not enough of them. Yeah, yeah. Deadpool kind of limps along with low sales, appearing in various comic books, but no real spotlight, no real popularity. That goes on for a decade. Um, And then in 2008, in anticipation of his appearance in the upcoming Wolverine Origins movie... (laughs) A writer called Daniel Way. Marvel comics don't know what the movie's gonna what it's gonna be. Mm. You know? And they just all they know is a movie's gonna come out with one of our characters. We need to have a book. We need to have a comic we can sell to people. When they come <laughs> in off the street, I've just seen this movie. I wanna buy Wolverine and, and Sabretooth. And who was the other guy? Oh yeah, Deadpool. We need a book, right? That we can sell them. Um when X Men First Class came out, Marvel had a <laughs> a comic book called X-Men First Class that featured none of the characters from the movie. They just needed a thing <laughs> that they can sell when a customer says, I've just seen that First Class movie. Can I read the comic? Yeah, there you go. This one is set in the 1920s. Cool. Um, so so they, they launch a brand new Deadpool series with, with this writer, Daniel Way. And Way decides to turn the volume way, way up on the moronic juvenile humor and the utterly ridiculous stories, and and uh, another writer called um, Colin Bell, Colin Bun, Colin something, does very similar things in 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 the same in the same way at the same time. It's completely out of touch with the silent, topless black ops mercenary character from the movie, mm. but this approach works it is a decent medium sized especially for the era hit Deadpool sells better than it has in 15 years and fans are now paying attention to the crazy antics of the character like between 2009 and 2012 there were an astounding 11 different comic series starring Deadpool 11 no character in comic history has ever been that prolific before and a lot of the character a lot of those series like had no connection to the rest of the Marvel Universe um there were things featuring the Deadpool core okay which Mm. was a team featuring Deadpool, Lady Deadpool, Dogpool, <laughs> Kidpool, and Headpool. That one was just a disembodied head of Deadpool. They they float around alternate realities doing wild, crazy stuff. There's a series called Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe, which is a story in which Deadpool kills every single hero, villain, and character <laughs> in the Marvel Universe. It's ludicrous, it's over the top, it, it, it's bizarre. There's a series called um, Deadpool Illustrated, in which Deadpool goes into 
historical fiction and starts killing Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, Moby <laughs> Dick. Um, there's oh, a serious... God. Then they realise they've gone, how far can we possibly take this? The next series after that is Deadpool Kills Deadpool, where all the alternate versions of Deadpool start killing each other. You know, it it's zany, silly humour that looks even more ridiculous out of context. And that's where Deadpool goes viral. Ah. Pages pages of these books get uploaded to Imga and Tumblr <laughs> and become popular with people who have no idea who the character is, mm. have never read a comic book in their life. The more ridiculous, the more viral. Yeah, yeah. And that, combined with these comic books, it creates this this huge explosion of popularity for Deadpool from 2009 on through. I mean, he gets then um, laid out in, in these uh, various video games that Marvel is making at the time, the Ultimate Alliance games he's featured in, but especially 2011's Marvel vs. Capcom 3. We've talked about that quite a bit on this show because it features kind of some fringe characters here and there. But Marvel vs. Capcom 3 doesn't just feature Deadpool. They include loads of his insults and jokes. <laughs> and that... There were viral videos of kids who had never read a Marvel comic. They Their favourite character is Deadpool and they're copying the jokes, they're copying the insults. It made them a smash hit character with kids, that, that 2011... Um, video game uh, so much so that 2013 Deadpool gets his own video game mm. written by Daniel Way um, and they have uh, a marketing campaign that doesn't look too dissimilar from what we saw with this movie the, the, the Deadpool breaks the fourth wall and he like annotates the uh, press release with his own notes he sh- someone shows up in co- Deadpool cosplay at press releases to screw with the guys making the video game. You know, very fourth wall breaking. What do you reckon the budget on that video game was? Will two thousand thirteen Deadpool game? Two thousand. Okay, I'm not going to be good with video game budgets, but I'm going to go with two million dollars. What's the budget of this movie? Uh, was it fifty eight? Yeah, fifty eight million dollars. Deadpool's 2013 video game, the budget is $100 million. No! It's one of the most expensive video games ever developed at that time. The budget is nearly twice the budget of this movie. How does that work? I have no idea. I'm not in the video game business, but they were obviously so enamoured with the character, Hmm. and they saw the smash hit of the... Capcom, uh, Marvel Capcom 3 they saw the, the viral sensation they saw 11 different comic series from 09 to 12 and they went all in on this video game 100 million dollars oh too right, too right I, I've yet to play the game it got taken off Steam uh, because of licensing issues with Marvel but I'm going to try and find a way to right. play it because I wanted to play it for some time but never really got round to it so that's where we are. We didn't really touch too much on the Wolverine X-Men Origins uh, because, you know, that's still something we can do a deep dive on one day in the future. But um, 
I, I'd argue that version of Deadpool bears no resemblance to this version of Deadpool. And then I think <laughs> that what's important is the comic book history, the sales history, the viral history, and the mm. video game history. I think without Tumblr, you might not get this movie. Without, you know, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, without, without, without. And without, of course, Rob Leefield and Fabian Nassiza, who created the character in 1990 one of the one of the most recent characters we've ever tackled um on this podcast so will we've had some letters being written in from people all over the world well mainly just the, this country in america uh, <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us and let us know what you think uh, about the show please make sure that you drop please make sure no you can do so if you wish by uh, sending us an email to marvel versus marvel at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter, tweet along, find out what the next um, episode is going to be and get in touch with us by following us on um, Twitter vers- at Marvel versus. What have you got for us today, Will? Well, the f- in, with us, let's see, my fan letters are in front of me right now. Uh, got here one here from Dan Barnes who writes in to say, "I love Deadpool. Have loved him for about fifteen years. I read the Merc with the Mouth storyline and was hooked. I'd wear Deadpool T-shirts and people would ask who he was. I'd explain and they'd look at me like I was deranged or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even got, yeah, yeah, I can imagine yeah. that. <laughs> I've even got a Deadpool symbol tattooed before the film came out." I was excited to see him in X-Men Origins until they gave him laser eyes, swords up his arms, and sewed his mouth. Oh, ma- yeah, they gave mouth. him laser eyes. I yeah, remember that, now. That was he had, like, Cyclops Cyclops laser eyes. Yeah. What the hell was that about? I, I, they, they, they just basically went, ah, let's, let's make him a dumping ground for X-Men powers. Yeah. Yeah, awful. What attracted me most to the Deadpool character is the comedy. Although I love superheroes and comic books in general, I definitely grew tired of the over-serious stuff. What I like about Deadpool is that he's an idiot. He messes up. He doesn't prioritise. I also love all the pop culture references. I was a little sad they didn't have his additional internal voices for the film, but I don't know how they'd have done that. I don't know about the internal voices. Uh, It's... mm. Dan's portraying it as if it's something that's in a lot of Deadpool comics. It kind of isn't. It was a brief little spell where he had... So in, in, in comic books, instead of having thought balloons in, in the very kind of modern slash postmodern era, mm. people's thoughts will appear... A character's thoughts will appear as, like, um, text boxes. Yes. Well, Deadpool, for a, for a period of time, had two different coloured text boxes... With conflicting thoughts, uh, it was kind yeah. of like a schizophrenic yeah. thing. Um, yeah, that would have been difficult to portray. Dan, Dan's right. Yeah, it's not it, like it, it I would wouldn't make, say it's yeah. a hallmark of the character. I wouldn't say it's a defining aspect of the character, but they did it for a bit, and 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 some people liked it. I can understand that. I I, I like I, I like stuff that you can only do in comic books. You know what I mean? Like I've read some comic books. I was like, oh, you couldn't do that in a film or a book. I like what they've done here. Uh, have you have you read the you know this is the movie The Filth based on the Irving Walsh uh, novel? I have I've, I haven't seen the uh, is is that the with oh that's with uh, Charles Your Xavier there, Professor X yeah Professor X yeah in in the, in the comic book like the, the most exciting thing about the comic book sorry the most exciting thing about the novel is this literary device of mm. um, 
text that seems unconnected to the rest of the plot that is on every single page of the book mm. and it's the thoughts of a tapeworm that live inside the main character <laughs> and it's completely original completely unique and it and it kind of comes to symbolize it kind of comes to almost by living inside him and, he, and and kind of eating off him and being a parasite it kind of becomes full of his hatred and mm. full of his sin and lust and everything it's it's really it's a really exciting interesting and unique aspect and what makes that book really work can't do it in the movie. No, <laughs> does not no. feature in the movie. Very hard to replicate that, um, and that would be this would be a similar thing, really. Yeah, mental. Uh, Dan also sent us a picture of him wearing a full Deadpool costume. He did. Yeah. He did. Man, it was that. That was like a pro costume. That wasn't like he didn't like you know get some paints and a, and a t shirt. He 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 spent some money on that. Because like usually you get the uh, straight, you know, like those green uh, green man costumes. They're just stretchy lycra you put over your body. There's so many Deadpool and Spider Man ones, but every now and again you get a proper yeah. Deadpool costume. That's impressive. Uh, we also got uh, Russ Blacksmith, uh, who got in touch to say, "I called in sick to work to view this one at the cinema on Valentine's oh, Day." Yes. Oh, that's a yes. Fan. That's right. That yes, is a fan did. right there. Yes, you did. Uh, my wife would not go. I've been a Ryan Reynolds fan since I saw him in in, in waiting. Uh, I knew this was going to oh, be enjoyable, dear. but I didn't oh, realise how much. Oh, might not be able to take Russ seriously anymore because that's what's waiting. That film is terrible. What is waiting? It's, a, it's it's one of Ryan Reynolds' numerous very bad movies where he plays a douche. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like virtually every Ryan Reynolds movie is yeah. one of them. Oh uh, god, yeah. that sounds terrible. Go. Uh, good dialogue, good action, good use of some Deadpool's quirks without emptying the whole arsenal. This movie was a great, great way to transition new fans into the character. That's a really, that's a really interesting thing that, that Russ highlights there because we said mm. this when we looked at um, Dead, uh, Daredevil and, and Ghost Rider. The, these movies yeah. pre pre MCU, it was like they were emptying the whole clip in ninety <laughs> minutes. Let's do everything about. Dead, uh, uh, Ghost Rider in, in this time we've got. Let's do yeah. every great Daredevil story in yeah. less than two hours. Let's get it, get it, get it, get it, go, go, go. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, to, to say that they've, they've not done everything in this I think is a really a really good point. And although this isn't an MCU film, I think it perhaps highlights the um, care and attention um, that, that Reynolds and co. Milner Milner? Miller. Miller, Miller, Miller gave gave to this um, to this movie. Well, we love helping you guys discover more characters and stories. We hear that a lot when people get in touch. They love the reading lists. They love the detail we go into, and they love that they get to experience and and, and grow their knowledge and look for new things to read. And we love recommending cool comic books to check out. But we at Marvel versus Marvel, we hate Amazon. Um, Amazon yeah. will be the death of the comic book industry, mm-hmm. which is why we've teamed up with Nash Comics, a real comic book shop, an independent comic book shop right here in the UK. They have a great selection of Marvel comics for all ages, as well as the best selection of mainstream and indie collections and graphic novels. I've had a great personal experience with Nash Comics. Uh, we would not be recommending them unless we'd already done this, because you know you don't want to recommend hmm. something to your audience who you quite like, 
for them to go on and get scammed or the thing doesn't appear or yeah, they have yeah. a bad experience. I, I, I've used Nash Comics. Um, the, their website is easy to use. You can search for whatever comics or characters you're looking for. And just like Amazon, they'll ship it right to your house. Wherever you are in the world, they, they ship internationally. There's a, a couple of recent Marvel stories I've missed in the last few years. Um a whole bunch of them, really. And and so I went to nashcomics.co.uk. Nash Comics spelt with a G. G-N-A-S-H. Comics.co.uk. Searched for Marvel and saw they had a copy of Chip Zdarsky's Spider-Man Life Story, which I've been after for a while. Really interesting take on Spider-Man. We talked about it before. Mm. It's where they um, the, the story's written as if Spider-Man ages in real time. So he starts out as a teenager in the 1960s, and then you see him get older in his 70s. By the 80s, he's in like middle age. By the 90s, <laughs> he can't really do it anymore. And yeah. it's a really, really great, uh, interesting, unique. And, and Mark Bailey, uh, Mark Bailey does the artwork, which is wonderful. So I've been after that for a while. Found it on this store. I signed up for Nash Comics mailing list, and I got myself a sexy, sexy discount on that Ooh. order. Got myself 10% off. Oh, you can't beat that. I pay with PayPal. Nice and easy and secure. I don't have to give out my card details to uh, another website. Use PayPal for that. And then a few days later, the book is delivered to my door through the letterbox. You can't beat it. Whether it's Deadpool, Avengers, Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, the folks at Nash Comics are committed to making it as easy as possible for new readers to get on board. You can get their Marvel Universe deal, right? And by doing this, Ooh. Nash will specifically select four comic books for you that are either the first issue of a new series, the start of a brand new story arc uh, for you to get into, or that feature a great jumping on point for new readers to join that series. They'll specially select those issues for you. It's thirteen ninety five. For four specially selected issues shipped directly to your house, the Marvel Universe deal is a great way to sample Marvel comics for the first time or to expand your reading and find out what's new in the Marvel Universe. Head to nashcomics.co.uk. That's nash, G-N-A-S-H, comics.co.uk. Sign up for their newsletter right now. Get yourself 10% off your first order. Jenny and you and at Nash Comics are just as committed to no gatekeeping as we are. We've been <laughs> talking to them for several weeks now. Um, they're super friendly, super helpful, and you can message them about your, any questions you have. You can ask them about any stories or characters you're looking for. And if there's something you want that they don't have in store, they'll order it for you in no time. Just drop them a message, info at nashcomics.co.uk. And we can't state this enough. Please, please use independent comic book shops like Nash Comics instead of Amazon. Because, ooh wee. <laughs> like, ooh wee. They got their tendrils. I mean, they got their tendrils around a lot of us, really. But if the if the comic book industry goes down, we're not going to be having a good time, are we? No, 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 not at all. Well, people who are having a good time will check this out for a seamless ooh, segue. Seamless. People who are having a good time are the people that are subscribed to our Patreon website. If you head over to patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel, 
you can find out how to support us, how to do the right thing. You're getting this for free. Doesn't this feel like theft? Doesn't this feel wrong? Doesn't this feel like a sin? Save your soul. Absolve yourself. Give us money. Help pay for the (laughs) podcast. And stop taking it for free. That's what our wonderful, wonderful subscribers on Patreon do each and every month. And in return, not only do they get a great sense of satisfaction because they essentially become the executive producers of the podcast. They they keep us (laughs) on the air for all the rest of you who are skiving off. But they also get some incredible bonuses that we put their way, some incredible awards. There is bonus mini-episodes. They get early access to every episode three days before the rest of the world. And if they're in the top, top tier, just 10 English pre-Brexit pounds a month <laughs> gets you access to all of that, plus full-length bonus episodes. And uh, we've got a brand new uh, patron who got in touch, signed up very recently and decided not only to sign up, but also to let us know how much he loves us. Uh, And we always love to hear from you guys, and Patreon's the best way of doing that. Brandon uh, I thought I wasn't going to mess this up because I know so many Polish people. Uh, I promised myself I wasn't going to mess this up. I've tried to spell it out phonetically, and that's just confused myself even more. Um, Smigielski Brandon Smigielski my apologies Brandon Brandon Smigielski became a patron signed up to that £10 tier get himself the uh, access to full length bonus episodes and he writes in to say hey guys I'm a huge fan of your podcast I found the podcast right when you released the Age of Ultron episode someone on Reddit mentioned it I decided to check it out and go right back to the beginning after binging through every episode, <laughs> how much do we love that? I love That's, a binger. That is a but good. This binge. isn't like this isn't binging some twenty-minute Netflix sitcom. <laughs> this is binging. Oh, that's an hour and a half. That's two hours. That one's three hours. That one's three hours eighteen minutes. I love a binger. After binging through every episode, I felt it was only right that I do the right thing. And become a patron. Yes, Brandon, yes. you know it. That's right. You're feeling clean. Now, don't you feel clean now, Brandon? You feel absolved. You're no longer sinning, right? The podcast really helps me get through the long work day. I can't wait to hear more. We love that because that we know our episodes are mm. meaty. They're a full meal. They're going to get you through the day. No snacking. Um, Brandon says, I'm 33 now. But I've been a Marvel fan since about first grade. I think that means year one to us, Will. Year one. Um, I remember going out to my town's public library and stumbling across a hardcover collection of the first few issues of the Fantastic Four. I was instantly enraptured. Oh, Brandon, with the wonderful words. I checked it out over and over, studying every page. The Human Torch quickly became my favourite that same library had another collection of the first few issues of the Avengers, and I saw that this world was even bigger than I thought. That, man, is so key. That was so important to me as a child. Hmm. There's something about the world getting big, the, the, the fictional world getting bigger and bigger. There's something about seeing Thor fly past Spider-Man <laughs> who's web swinging and like the, early Marvel will do this a lot like 
Thor would would be in the background of a Spider Man comic, or Iron Man would be, you know, it, this cohesive world, and that's what's proved to be so popular with movie audiences now with the MCU. Mm. That's how I fell in love with comics and superheroes in general. That led me to seeking out anything involving the Marvel Universe. Video games, the 90s cartoons, and any movie that was released. I didn't have a steady access to really get individual comic issues. So I would pick up the odd graphic novel here and there. Being young and not having a job, the price was an issue, so I couldn't get as many as I would have liked. I never had an all-time favourite but the Fantastic Four always held a special place in my heart for introducing me to this world. I was ecstatic when I first heard about the 2005 movie being made. And even though the overall quality can be debated, Chris Evans and Michael Chiklis' interplay was exactly what I pictured when I read those stories all those years ago. That's what we said in that yeah. episode, wasn't it? Yeah. That was such a highlight of, you know, not the not the most gritty, you know, grown-up, action-packed movie. Uh, Brandon says, I can't wait for the MCU to tackle them and see what they're doing with those characters. I'm loving the bonus episodes on Patreon. It's hard for me to pick a favourite because whichever one I'm listening to makes me really interested in reading and finding out more about that particular character. The reading list at the end of each episode really helps me focus on which stories to look out for. I look forward to hearing more of this podcast and I hope it goes for a long, long time. Even if that means Will has to wait that much longer to (laughs) finally read these amazing stories. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Brandon. We love you. Welcome to the Versaverse. You're in the (laughs) VIP level. That's a great way to get on board. Uh, It doesn't get any higher than VIP. And uh, we certainly keep making these podcasts as long as people are listening and as long as people are subscribing to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. It's the 20th episode of Marvel versus Marvel. We're so excited to be doing Deadpool finally for all the people that have asked about it and care about it. So will without further ado, we've, we've paid the bills. We've taken care of business. We've dealt with the fans. We've, looked at how the movie got to be here we've looked at how the character got to be in a movie thank you tumblr it's finally time for that deep deep dive press play and take it away taking it away now pressing play the movie starts with deadpool sat high above a busy freeway listening to a walkman and drawing cartoons He addresses the audience directly, acknowledging that he's in a movie and joking that he had to give sexual favours to Hugh Jackman in order to get the movie greenlit. (laughs) (laughs) Deadpool then says he has some bad guys to kill, jumps from his perch and crashes down into a passing car on the freeway below. Unhurt by the big fool, Deadpool starts killing the men inside the car and asking, Have you seen Francis? Another car pulls up alongside Deadpool and the gangsters open fire, causing a huge crash in the middle of the freeway. Deadpool's car goes flying through the air and upside down he begins to think about how he got into this situation. Now, I loved the opening theme and the credits. I thought... Yeah? I I liked it because I've never really seen uh, the opening credits to a film get that kind of attention where they just went, let's go meta with it, let's just... Go go go! Tongue in cheek and meta with it. Uh, is it is it even the opening credits? 
I say yes. You mean you mean when they're doing the slow motion three D bit and they're like the go the credits are coming up. Well, but they are, are they the credits though? Because they're not the real credits, are they? They're not the real credits, but it's 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 what you would <laughs> say are the credits. It's like written by mm. what was it starring some guy, a handsome man, or something like that, uh, a British yeah. douche. And it's like uh, I I like I like I like that little touch. And also the well, opening. Mm? What's interesting about that is t- Tim Miller. Um, this is his first movie. This one, mm. but he. Um, Directed and created title sequences for the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Ah, oh, yes, he did. And and for an MCU movie, he created the title sequence for Thor: The Dark World. Yes, I read up on this. He did. So it's obviously in his wheelhouse to be doing, yeah, you know, it's a, these it's uh, strength. This is strength, title sequences. It? Yeah, yeah. I I I feel bad now. Obviously, I haven't seen the um, the Stig Larsson. Uh, films or, or or read the books of Girl and Dragon Tattoo etc. But I have seen Thor: The Dark World, and I don't remember the title sequence. No. <laughs> I feel bad now. There's a there's a lot to forget in that movie. <laughs> Indeed, uh, right from the start. Uh, so yeah, I, I like that. Also the, the 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 music he he used at the beginning. Uh, this song I've only ever heard on this and an episode of True Detective. Oh oh. You don't get the name for it. It's just that kind of Angel that- of the Morning. I forgot. I've forgot the name of the artist, but the, the song is called Angel of the Morning, and it's a very good song for what it is. It's, it's just a very call good- me Angel, Angel of the morning, morning, Angel. Oh, that just was a, that was a big hot, a big hit at one point when I was. Uh, oh, never I, heard of it. Mm. Never heard of it before I saw this film. That's the first time, I, and I was like, just- oh, this is a good song. Mainly because of the, quickly... uh, I think it's I think it's the, the chord structure where where it progresses. I'm sure the word, and it, I know it's obviously a classic tune, but I have a feeling mm. like some pop star, when I was a certain age, covered it, and 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 thus made it you know an intrinsic part of the 1980s slash 90s. Um, <laughs> but uh, am I going to be able to find it in time? Um, you carry on, young William. You tell us what you've got to say. Well, the only other thing I have to say... Wikipedia. The only thing I have to say at this uh, this point uh, as well, I really loved, of speaking of pop culture references, I loved that he had an Adventure Time watch. I like Adventure Time. I think Adventure Time's great. Adventure Time is great. You're absolutely right. There's no arguing with that. Adventure Time absolutely rules. Yeah, it's like um, I, I don't want to go too far down the tangent, but it's like it's 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 a cartoon obviously aimed at kids that adults can enjoy as well. Shaggy, Shaggy, Shaggy. Oh, he did that. Shaggy, no. Yeah, he, he samples it. Yeah, 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 yeah. In his song, in his 2001 song, Angel. I didn't yes. know that. And it just he samples it and has just call me Angel in the morning, Angel. There we go. I knew it was something dumb from me being a young person. <laughs> there we go. Right. Okay. That that was that, 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 that was definitely worth it. <laughs> or with the episode, if you've done your pop knowledge uh, from nineteen years ago, uh, Ooh, so the next podcast, pop knowledge. Pop. I think someone already. Do, I think a comedian already does that kind of podcast. I'm not sure. We. I, I think. I think all podcast subjects forever have been covered by comedians. Um, yeah. <laughs> also, so Deadpool talking to the audience is really unique. Uh, we've never seen that before in a Marvel film because it just obviously wouldn't happen. Because that, that's it's more of a comedy thing. It's like the mask, isn't it? Remember the mask? Yeah, yeah. It's not that do kind you, of. Thing. You just, do you think he talks to the audience in the mask? Yeah, I think he does, doesn't he? I mean, I, he, I, there are some it, bits. It's never, he never acknowledges that he's in a movie, but it does feel no. 
you're not. Sh- he turns and talks to a camera, and other characters say, "Who are you talking to?" So yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. So we've not seen a character break the fourth wall in any of the other movies we've watched. As I said, is that something Deadpool does in the comic books? It, it's not there to begin with. Mm. It doesn't start. Well, what would you say? Okay, so it doesn't. It has its origins in in, in, in when Joe Kelly changes the whole tone of the character in in nineteen ninety seven. Mm. Marvel Comics at that time introduced um, a, a previously page to all of their comics, right? Yeah. Like previously on twenty four. Previously on Lost. (laughs) So every comic had a previously in this comic page before the story began. Um, Like a a one-page recap that that, that brought new readers up to speed on the character and the ongoing story up to this point. Yeah, Marvel had never featured these before. DC had never featured these before. I found it. I I have distinct memories of this. Um... I'm about 13, 14, 15, something around that. And, mm. and I've, I'm suddenly seeing it. I found it jarring. I didn't like, I didn't like this era of Marvel at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 a lot of the elements of the 80s had fed, faded away. And um, th- that, that's a story for another time, Rob. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, not time to go into that. Let's yeah. focus. So, so, so Joe Kelly uh, felt that something like that absolutely did not fit mm. with his new tone um, of the comic book. So, instead of like a straight laced recap from like it would be because it, it would just be like an editor was writing it previously in mm. Captain America, Cap fought the Nazis, and then a thing happened, and what's going to happen next on Cap? You know, he was like, "That's not what we do here." So he had Deadpool address the reader directly <laughs> in the recap page, saying, previously in my life, this is what happened to me. And then this happened, and then that guy stabbed me. I did not like that. And but So he was directly addressing the audience, but it was confined just to the recap page. So it wasn't part of... The, you could... It wasn't quite... As the story flowed, right? It wasn't part of the yeah. actual inverted commas comic. It's not until a writer called Christopher Priest, wonderful writer, takes over the comic book after Joe Kelly a little bit at the same time that that Deadpool starts to shatter the fourth wall in the story. Mm. Suddenly, Deadpool is aware he's in a comic book. Priest's <laughs> run starts with Deadpool taking a bag marked Joe Kelly's ideas and throwing it out the window. So Priest starts his run by having Deadpool kick the previous writer's ideas out of the way. Um, From that point on, Deadpool would regularly address the reader. He would point out that things that were happening were superhero cliches. Mm. He would mock how ridiculous the story he was in was. Um, there's a, a sequence where he actually says out loud to the re- to someone in the story, uh, none of this is actually happening. There is a man at a typewriter. This is all his <laughs> twisted imagination. Um, I mean, some of that sounds a bit like how they used to do in the Beano. Do you remember in the Beano where they addressed the reader about 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 things? 
No, I don't know. I had 2000 AD as a kid. Um, at some point as a so kid, I got 2000 AD as well, but I used someone, to read the Beano someone, a lot. Someone tried to get me to read about a naughty schoolboy <laughs> who threw a stone at someone. I'm like, yeah, but there's a space station exploding and people's heads are blowing up and Judge Dredd and, and there's a time traveller and there's, there's genuine sex on this issue. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, haven't got time, I haven't got time for this. I, um, I, that was my graduation from, from Beano and Dandy the, onto yeah, 2018. Great British comics. The, the, the fourth wall breaking doesn't follow Deadpool everywhere. Mm. So some writers after Christopher Priest didn't do any of it. Uh, and some did. It came back with a real vengeance during uh, Daniel Way's popular 2009 series where it becomes crazy time absolute like a madman's right in the comic um when he appears outside of deadpool like in the updated Mm. x-force series he doesn't do any of that stuff and anytime he makes reference to it it's played up as being part of his huge mental health problems like it's delusions so that's how it can be explained away in story as kind of... Because here's the thing about fourth wall breaking, and I find that a lot in this movie. What you're doing mm. is telling me not to care because it's just a story. Yeah. What you're doing is taking all of the stakes <laughs> and pouring, <laughs> pouring, a, pouring a tank of water all over the fire so I don't care anymore because it's just... A story. Yeah, yeah. Much more so in the Deadpool sequel, but it happens in this, and it happens all the time whenever I try and ride, read a, a Deadpool comic. Mm. Deadpool is not the first Marvel character to do this. Oh. Howard the Duck uh. is breaking the fourth wall in the comic books tons in the 70s. And John Byrne's She-Hulk series, 1989 through to the 90s, was a full-on satire of superhero comics in which She-Hulk She-Hulk would yell at the creator yell at the writer why have you got me doing this she would crash through the confines of one panel Will into the next panel if there's someone in the next panel she wants to get to she'll smash through the panel she would rip the page up down to see what's on the next page. Yeah, yeah. She would tell the readers, "Don't worry, you're going to find the answer out on the next page." Um, and anyone else that saw any other character, Marvel character, saw her doing this, was like, "What are you doing? You're crazy." <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, a lot of this owes owes a lot to John Byrne and in She-Hulk and Steve Gerber on on Howard the Duck, and and Gerber also wrote some of that crazy shit. Sensational She-Hulk series as well. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, I didn't realize. I mean, I, I, was, I was expecting to say Howard the Duck. When you said She-Hulk, I was like, "What? No." Yeah. Yeah. It's really. It's really. Yeah. I'm. She's had two mm. of the most unique comic book series Marvel have ever produced. They're not just smash bang action. Yeah. The John Byrne series and one of my favorite writers, Dan Slott wrote um, her series before we took over Spider-Man. And when Dan Slott wrote She-Hulk, she was working for a trans-dimensional trans law firm. <laughs> um, 
because she's a superhero <laughs> with superpowers, but also a lawyer. So it's like, yeah, uh, all these planets want to sue Galactus. You, <laughs> that's your case. Um, awesome, tremendous, wonderful. Series. I I I, I um, like I like that legal aspect of the Marvel universe. But anyway, yeah. back to the movie. Right. So two years ago. Wade Wilson uh, is a mil- is a mercenary. Sorry, mi- mi- I almost said mercenary because of the word. <laughs> a so mercenary. He's, he's a miller. He makes bread, makes flour. It's a film by but... Tim Miller with a guy called Wilson Milsonary. Uh, that's that's what happened. <laughs> Every Wilson, aspect Milsonary. of the film involving names <laughs> went into ro- one word. Uh, sorry, yeah. Wade Wilson is a mercenary who spends his time picking up assassinations uh, contracts at the Underworld Dive Bar, Sister Margaret School for Wayward Girls, run by his friend Weasel. The bar is full of hitmen, scumbags and mercenaries, and Weasel runs a Deadpool, a game where the entire bar can bet on which of them is most likely to die next. In his off time, we see Wade use his mercenary skills to protect teenage girls from would-be stalkers. At the bar, Wade meets escorts Vanessa. Sorry, Van, I said Vanessa. Vanessa Carlyle. <laughs> I, I get my words wrong today. I'm really sorry. Uh, and they quickly bond over their unconventional jobs and their physical and emotional scars. They become romantically involved for nearly a year, sharing holidays and special moments. One night, Wade proposes to Vanessa, and they make plans to get married. But then, suddenly, Wade collapses in their apartment and is diagnosed with terminal cancer. Though she remains by his side, he fears losing her. So, just a couple of things. Um, the, it was nice to see, uh, I'm going to get the name right, Marina Baccarin oh, from Firefly. Oh, yeah. It's very Why? nice to see her. I don't understand. I don't understand. We all know yeah. that Hollywood is, is a flesh pit. It's a meat market. Yeah, it's very There's horrible. There's no arguing with that. Mm. That Hollywood is entirely about looks. So yeah. why the hell is Morena Baccarin not in loads and loads of stuff? Because no, she didn't. is stunning. I don't care who you are. She is stunning and she's a very decent actress. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Her. I've never seen her had to like um, stretch her acting chops, but everyone saw her in Firefly. Everyone saw it. Uh, uh, she's probably relegated to some of those, you know, detective shows, network detective shows where the detective has, uh, you know, a mental illness that helps him solve crimes. Well, so, you know? well that's monkeys. You know, I've got OCD, and that means I can find serial killers. Uh, I've got a, a super sense of smell, uh, and I can find bad guys. Oh, I might anyway, need to watch that should, some. That's that, but I, she I, should be in everything. She should be in a lot more things. I'm ge- and I, I, I am genuinely confused. And speaking of someone else who's uh, no longer in a lot of things, T.J. Miller <laughs> as Weasel. Jesus, yeah. I, 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 before any of that stuff came out, I was, uh, I enjoyed him in, in this particularly. Wasn't that fan of uh, Workaholic? No, it was Silicon Valley or Workaholics? One of those two. S- Silicon Valley, Silicon I really Valley. love because I work in that industry, so I <laughs> understood everything. I, they got it absolutely right. That this guy, and we don't want to spend any time on this guy because he he looks to be a POS. Yeah, proper POS. It's not one thing. Yeah, he. It's a but. It's a pattern of hating women and all of that. He just took a torch to his career. Yeah. Um, Oh well, what a shame! What a shame! Not Hollywood's <laughs> loss, is it? Quite frankly, 
Yeah, more more Marina, less TJ. That's what we say here. Yeah, put it on a T-shirt. I think it's Marina. I don't know. I, I'm gonna get the pronunciation right one day. Anyway, so obviously um, Vanessa is really important to this movie. Uh, is she a character from the comic books? Yes. Okay. Uh, we're already at our first convoluted plot point. Yay! Get ready. So, uh, Deadpool's first appearance, we talked about that. By the way, this is the first time that we've got the first appearance, the first appearance of the major character for the movie is a comic book I own. I bought that New Mutants, New Mutants issue 98, I bought when I was a teenager from a from a proper comic book convention before comic book conventions were popular. Wow. Back when they were just smelly pits of men <laughs> <laughs> buying and trading comics and I saw my first laser disc <laughs> oh, at the same convention. God, laser discs. Um, I'm glad that never I, caught on. I bought a comic this is because there was no comic book shop in my hometown. Uh, oh, or there was, no, there was. One had just opened, but he couldn't get any of these stuff, right? So in one trip I bought from this from this convention, which was in I want to say Birmingham, I bought X Force issue one, mm. I bought um the Dark Knight Returns trade, I bought the Watchmen trade. Nice. Um I bought Frank Miller's Ronin trade mm. and I bought uh, Art Spiegelman's Mouse. Oh God! I had to put that book down halfway through. That was really that was a powerful read. It's very, very powerful. It's, it's the first comic book to ever win the Pulitzer Prize. It's very hard going, yeah. and not at all something I was prepared for at the age of thirteen. Ooh. Here's a story about the Holocaust, young man. Anyway, <laughs> so Deadpool's uh, yeah. first appearance. Another character makes their Marvel debut. We talked about her, Domino. Yeah, uh, a grim and violent mystery of the mysterious past. <laughs> um, she's introduced <laughs> as this partner of, of Cable, yeah. and, and there, it's alluded to that they have this long history together that we haven't seen. Mm. Um, long partnership as mercenaries and soldiers. She joins up with Cable, and, and is a big part of helping him take the teenage new mutants and turning them into this hard edge X Force soldier team. That he's creating. Um, a year and a half later, like issue 15, 16 of X Force, Cable and the team discover that Domino isn't actually Domino. Ooh. She's a shape shifting mutant called Copycat ah. who's been sent to impersonate Domino and spy on, on Cable. Copycat's real name is Vanessa Carlyle. Mm. Um, and from that point on, Vanessa and Deadpool, copycat Vanessa and Deadpool, are always at each other's throats as as competing, opposing mercenary forces. It's alluded to they have this personal history together. Um, In the early 90s, they are always trying to kill each other, steal contracts from each other, things like that. In Joe Kelly's 97 Deadpool series, Kelly has to mm. take Deadpool from being a villain and, and a bit of an anti-hero, but mainly a villain, mm. and turn him in... Well, an anti-hero, and turn him into being a hero. Yeah. A proper hero. So that's when he creates this sympathetic backstory. It's revealed that there's this... The reason there's such animosity between Copycat and Deadpool is that they used to be married. She was a prostitute. 
Ooh. She fell in love with a mercenary called Wade Wilson. Things get very messy. He dumps her. He leaves suddenly, and 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 that leads to an awful lot of hurt feelings, bad feelings, and when mercenaries have animosity uh, and, and bad breakups, they tend to solve things using guns and swords and knives and bombs. <laughs> And that's kind of what it's kind of almost like a Mister and Mrs. situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, after lots of various conflicts and reconciliations over the years, Copycat gets murdered by Sabretooth and dies in Wade's arms. Ooh, what is it with Sabretooth and being a git? Sabretooth, I'll say it again. He is the number one worst freaking. Who is the, he's the he's the worst villain. There was another one we talked about who was just as sadistic, maybe, but for I, mm. no Sabretooth is just the dog worst. He yeah. he just tortures people. Yeah, I remember when you whenever it's been brought up and you told me, and I was like, ugh. I mean, that's 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 not on. That's not on. No, mate. No, no mate. That's not on, mate. Not on at all. But let's get back on to the film. Huh. <laughs> Segway. Uh, <laughs> one night. While drowning his sorrows at Sister Margaret's school for wayward girls, Wade is approached by a recruiter from a shadowy organisation. The recruiter knows all about Wade's background in the Special Forces, his high body count, and his recent diagnosis. The recruiter offers Wade an experimental cure for his cancer, a treatment that would turn him into a superhero. Wade turns the offer down and calls the recruiter a (laughs) paedophile. I did like the insults that he said. He goes, "Oh, was it? Uh, be careful that uh, be careful. There's a school nearby here. You might be able to dodge it if you go yeah. that way." That was such a, I loved. I loved the little things he said about him. They made that recruiter look just like Jimmy Carr. Uh, he my... looked like Jimmy Carr so much. Didn't just he? like Jimmy Carr. Yeah. yeah. That that boot polish hair. Oh, God, <laughs> the widow's peak and all of that. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Completely smooth face. And so almost like this whole face is grinning. The whole face and is those grin- very, very cosmetic. Oh, to be fair, Ameri- a lot of most Americans have those very cosmetic teeth. But yeah. uh, we'll probably get some hate mail for that. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get some hate mail at some point for everything. So oh, the, uh, the one we had recently was someone had just tuned in uh, to the Ghost Rider episode <laughs> and said, "Just having a laugh at your accent." And I was like, "What do you mean? Can you can you not understand us?" And he went, "Oh no, I can understand you. I'm just laughing at your accent." You're just laughing at people that aren't American. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, 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 okay. I, I have that on my Twitch. I, I have people yeah. laughing at my accents, never at my jokes. Um, so, <laughs> so, so on, on, onto a, onto a, onto a, onto a, a bit of a risky subject. Cancer is something. Is something we've uh, isn't something we've seen dealt with in any Marvel movie or on our journey uh, yet. Mm. Is that something yeah. they've created for the film? Uh, no, it's it's very much well. No, they didn't create it for the film. No, mm. it, it's part of its origin, but it wasn't there to begin. With. Like you know, it, it's there's almost like like with a lot of these comic book characters that have existed for so long. Mm. They can be comp- almost completely different characters until they change. Yeah, it, it feels a lot more intense with Deadpool because he's only been around for twenty years. Yeah. Um, but when it's it, it, cancer is something introduced by Joe Kelly in nineteen ninety seven to make Deadpool less of an awful, 
unlikable, sadistic bully mm. and to make him something like a sympathetic figure. Mm. So in, in the 97, we get the origin story, the 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 pre-origin origin story, uh, where he's diagnosed with 34 inoperable tumours. Ooh. Um, and 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 that that being a big part, and and, and that the whole, the whole thing with Vanessa, him leaving Vanessa, um, that was a big uh, a big part of you know sort of the the sympathy card and the the new the new origin, the new background to create um, a figure that you can kind of get on board with rather than the character that had been for a while, where you know you just you just want someone to shut him up. Um, <laughs> His cancer has re-emerged a couple of times in the comic books. Whenever his healing factor gets negated, yeah. um, the cancer will return. And on the cancer point, um, it's a 13-year-old Deadpool superfan called Colin McGrath. Connor was the first person to see the finished Deadpool movie. Oh. It was the early rush yeah. of the Deadpool movie. Um, 13 year old Connor had terminal cancer and it was not looking like he would make it to the premiere Mm. so uh, Make-A-Wish set him up with Ryan Reynolds and Ryan and the company made sure that Connor McGrath was the first person got to see the full movie before anyone else in the world Um, and that's what they did and it was you know Look, you know, a very, a very great thing they did there. Six weeks later, uh, Connor sadly passed away before the premiere. Oh, so wow. yeah. Um, and I've read some things written by by people who have been through cancer and survived. And they wrote about the Deadpool movie and said that what they liked about it is that uh, the character seemed determined to not be. It, it had a lot of. The right tonal notes of the worst thing cancer does to you is what it does to people around you. Yeah, yeah. The people writing about it said, "Yeah, that that really hits home with us." And and how the character refuses to be a victim or a survivor, like they don't want anything to do with it. Really, it's, it's so. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was worth taking a little look at that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Really, he really does hit a note. I was going to say as well when 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 that that shocking realization comes, it's like that bit in Breaking Bad where he does get yeah. he gets it's like that everything stops immediately and he it yeah. cuts to just him taking in the information at the doctor, you know, and it's like it's that hard to accept moment, and you're just like, oh, they, they no. shot that scene in this movie very well. Yeah, very well. It felt and like Reynolds, a different movie. It felt like a different Reynolds, movie. That bit. Yeah. yeah, Reynolds' performance is very good as well. Mm. In it. Uh, it was um, yeah, nice little touch. Yeah, I, I like that because I, I've had this discussion about comedy and drama. You know, the, the two ends of the same thing. You, you've got to really, uh, even in a drama, you've got to have funny bits in a drama. You've got the high low, high low. Otherwise, it's you get you get tired out. You got nothing to reflect against. So it's well, it's a, Will. I'm sure you know what Socrates said about comedy. What did Obviously he say? You do. As a comedian, you must know what Socrates wrote about comedy. The most famous quote about comedy that's ever been written <sighs> by the greatest thinker, one of the greatest thinkers of our entire lifetime. Is oh, it not lifetime? Is it history of the world? Is it tragedy plus time? No, no, no. Anything that isn't tragedy is comedy, according to Socrates. Anything. 
<laughs> if it has a happy ending, Socrates believes it's a comedy. Wow. Um, they, 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 were, they were easy laughers back in ancient Greece, weren't they? Yeah, I'd say if that's the case, you need to watch uh, the BBC sitcom My Hero. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that qualifies as a-, a comedy. Actually, uh, my Greek ex loved Mrs. Brown's boys, so there is some truth in that. <laughs> Ah, the Greek. <laughs> the Greek. And their fluid ideas of comedy. Oh, that's so funny. Let's <laughs> Sorry, move yeah. away from xenophobia and from get xenophobia back up to the movie. my <laughs> list of exes. Uh. <laughs> Who's got the higher body count, folks? Who's got the higher body count? Is it Wade Wilson or is it Will Preston? That's what I want to And believe me, they are all confirmed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, so... Back to the film. Desperate to live, Wade leaves Vanessa in the middle of the night and contacts the Black Ops group to undergo the procedure. Wade is taken to an underground facility ran by a sadistic scientist called Ajax. Wade is injected with a special serum that is hoped to trigger any potential mutant genes in his DNA. Ajax believes that only pain and suffering can complete the mutation, so sets about torturing Wade, along with his assistant, Angel Dust. Throughout the torture, Wade constantly makes jokes and insults. Uh, I want to say one thing, um, because I saw the trailer and they they showed a bit of this, and they they, they had a different line to what was said uh, when I saw it in the film. And I was wondering if there was any regional differences, because he made two... UK specific references in the film <clears throat> like he said at this bit he goes what's your real name is it Basil Fawlty <laughs> and I was like oh that's very very oh, really in the trailer in the trailer what one in the trailer he said are you going to leave me here with with uh, angry Rose Kinsenko but then in the film it was Rosie O'Donnell or some, something slight, right, right. was it slightly less angry Rosie O'Donnell <laughs> right right so that, it was that kind of thing and then, then when he was making cracks about David Beckham and stuff I was like wait a minute this, this has to be this has to be a bit you know. uh, I, I, would, I would say no because David Beckham and Basil Fawlty are absolutely huge imports I, um, Amer- American audiences especially and uh, mm, Ryan Reynolds is Canadian. Forty yeah. Towers is huge in Canada, mm-hmm. um, or, or was for decades and decades. It, it's quite well known in, in America, and David Beckham is a huge star in the whole world. So, yeah, yeah. I, I would say maybe, maybe not, maybe not. I know that they do these little regional things, don't they? So um, every now and again, time. Yeah, they do. They do just to say, hey, that 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 bit plays a little bit better there. So the film's good. So speaking of Deadpool sense of humor, it's obvious. Obviously, it's the whole reason we watch the film. We wouldn't have if there was no humour in this and no fourth wall breaking. It would be a very, very six, five, six very out of straightforward ten. movie, wouldn't it? It, it would, would be, be very such a, such a dull movie. But um, where does that comedy come from in the comic books? Well, it's absolutely not Deadpool to begin with. Okay, Deadpool is not zany. He's not wacky. He's not. There's not really much originality to him when he's first created. He's very derivative um, mm. of a bunch of other characters. He, he's a mercenary. He's mean, sarcastic asshole. Yeah, and he's sadistic. He runs his mouth constantly, insults his victims and his targets, but he's not funny in the way that he's lovable. Okay, right? you. It, it, it's like you want to see. Cable punch his face in, <laughs> right? That's what that's what you want to see. Mm. Um, he does run his mouth loads, 
but it's not in a not in a way you're kind of on board with. Yeah. During this limited series where they made him a bit of an anti-hero who's being hunted, he's still not that funny. He's not quite that noble. It's, it's still grim and gritty, tough, macho character. Yeah. He gets a little funny when Mark Raid, wonderful, wonderful Marvel writer Mark Wade, writes him in 1994, but nothing really that you'd recognise from the movie. It, it's a complete tonal shift that occurs in 1997 with Joe Kelly, Kelly's series. Mm. Um, that's when he becomes like uh, a zany, coked-up Spider-Man throwing out constant stream of jokes, acting like he's so crazy nothing matters to him while he's stabbing and shooting and flipping and jumping and punching. Um, mm. and, and that's where comedy starts to play a big role in the comic book. Um, and th- that was kept by pretty much uh, probably every writer after Joe Kelly. Even if you weren't writing a comedy book, there's a period of time where uh, Cable and Deadpool are in one comic together called Cable and Deadpool. Mm. I would like it's not that they write Cable to be funny, and it's not like it's a knockabout wacky comedy book. But Deadpool is always funny. Deadpool in it, like it's always yeah. with the jokes and all that sort of stuff. So every every writer really keeps that for Deadpool. Joe Kelly really in that ninety seven series created the voice for Deadpool that would last from 97 through to the movie. Um, it, it transformed him from a pretty forgettable and a largely forgotten mercenary villain that were, there were a dime a dozen, loads of them in Marvel and DC at the time, into a unique character that a small number of fans were passionate about mm. and would write letters to say, don't you dare... That you dare cancel our comic because this is a unique character that we now passionate about rather than what he was before. Indeed. So back to the film. After weeks of torture from Angel Dust with no success, Wade starts to taunt Ajax by revealing his real name, Francis. In retaliation, it's a very 1980s sort of thing, isn't it? That like, <laughs> he's called Francis. It's, I remember. Right. Yeah. Right. For me. For me. Yeah. For you. Not to cast a dark pall over this movie. Yeah. There are so many jokes that don't land because they're so out of date. Yeah. Francis is one of them. Mm-hmm. Joking about Limp Biscuit in 2016. I thought that was perfectly acceptable. That Limp Biscuit joke was perfectly no, fine. I no, like that joke because no, I really don't like Limp Biscuit. No. It's just badly dated. Sinead O'Connor jokes in 2016. But I think the punchline for that bit was more like it shows how young she is. <clears throat> no, like, that's the alien joke, not the Sinead O'Connor joke. Oh, Ripley, <laughs> Ripley from Alien 3, yeah. There are so many of them that honestly and I'm, I'm not trying to be negative if and i have been in this situation with different projects over the in, the in the past right where i have been given a script that i didn't write or a project i didn't come up with to look mm. over yeah and i have said i get what you're going for as a comedy writer i get what you're going for there but you can't use that reference it's 10 years out of date yeah or it's five years out of date or it's 15 years out of date or it's limp bloody biscuit <laughs> 
<laughs> like there is so many where I just I can't believe these references past all of the editing checks by the talented people that must have been involved in the project and they said yeah no that's probably you could have they read like placeholder jokes you, you, you could have replaced it with nickel back in the noughties and it, and it would have worked it still would have been out of date in 2016 but yes it would have been a bit updated <laughs> Coldplay would have been out of date in 2016 <laughs> i knew that's this three would happen. updates the it's first, just the first oh. f- comedy film we we cover and immediately we have to go, stop everything. We need to criticise yeah. what we know. <laughs> I, it's important. It's, it's, it's very important. important. It's, just, it's, just, yeah, it's just a bit odd. A bit I, odd. I, just, no, I, I totally I, get I, it. I, I always, I can't, I find bad dialogue jarring and I find jokes that don't land just just shake shake me out of any experience I'm, I'm, I'm watching. But there we go. Most no. of them do land. I, I, it, it does contain... Uh, earlier on, it contains one of my favourite jokes I have ever seen. It's probably I would say it's my favourite joke in any um, Marvel movie. I want to when they're talking about the Deadpool, he says, "I want to uh, die at a hundred and two, like the city of Detroit." I love that. Joke. <laughs> yes, I forgot that. It's <laughs> so good. I can't believe that is on the same script as the guy writing a bloody Limp Biscuit joke. <laughs> One is so contemporary and smart and sharp and on the nose, and the other feels like it's ripped from a Jay Leno monologue well, yeah. <laughs> from, yeah, yeah. from 20 years ago. Anyway, 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 yeah, I knew this would happen. So back to the sorry, back back to the film. So in retaliation, Ajax reveals one torture method he has not yet used. Wade is strapped into an airtight chamber and told that the oxygen will be slowly removed from the chamber to keep Wade in a permanent state of suffocation. Ajax also reveals that Wade has been kidding himself, thinking that the program is is trying to turn him into a superhero. Ajax says they're going to break his mind, turn him into a super slave, and sell him off to the highest bidder. So this, this this whole bit with the with the torturing. As I said about before, tonal shifts in com- in, in comedy, you know, to, and, and in drama, to, to to be good on reflection, it, it is a horrible tonal shift, isn't it? it it's mm. it's it's it, you're, you're, but but the but the great thing about it is they're doing a montage of waterboarding and electrocution while Mr. Sandman plays, which again, from a comedy perspective, does feel like the kind of placeholder song you'd put over it, doesn't it? You know, no, we have a happy song over a montage while someone gets. And you know that is, is I always think that maybe, Mr. Yeah, Sandman is yeah, that maybe. kind of song that goes yeah. with it. But yeah, I, I thought that worked. That worked well. That worked well. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, is there anything you can tell us about Angel Dust? Because I've never heard of her. Uh, she is a comic book character, right? Oh, she's one of these totally obscure characters you can't <laughs> understand. I can't believe anyone involved in the project knew this character. I, I refuse to believe that. Um, not a classic character. Only made a handful of appearances. Um, created mm. in 2002 by writer Jeff Johns for a series called yeah. The Morlocks. Jeff Johns was a freelance writer at the time, but is now the president of DC Entertainment. <laughs> he is the head honcho of all of DC Entertainment. Um, 
and he wrote this little short series for Marvel in 2002 about a young girl, well, well about the Morlocks. So a, a young girl called Christine discovers she's got mutant powers, runs away from her family and her home and, and, and ends up living on the streets and then eventually is taken in by the underground com- mutant community called the Morlocks. And mm. I, I really hope we get to cover them one day, perhaps if we do the X-Men cartoon series, because they are such a cool part of the X-Men stories. The The Morlocks are, are a band of New York mutants whose mutations are so noticeable. Yeah, They can't fit in amongst humans. Most of them believe they are ugly or deformed and, and have these really weird mutations. So they choose to live in, in places like the sewers and other off-grid places, usually underground. And over time, it becomes that mutants who don't look, don't who do look like humans, but want to reject humanity, seek them out and go and live with them. And it's like I, you know, I live, mm. I live with the Morlocks now. Um, so yeah, that that's that's who who she is. Angel Dust. I don't think she made any appearances outside of that short one-off. Jeff Johns 2002 Morlock yeah. series. I have no idea how anyone involved in this project knew about her, found her, and and decided that's that's who we need. Well, it's the same thing happened with Iron Man three, didn't it? Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. That was. W- but but I picked up threads in that. I picked up threads in that movie where I felt there was a larger thing about super soldiers that was left off the screen. Mm. And that's why they were chosen. I don't get any of that from this. That's fair. Also, Angel Dust, did they purposefully mean to call a superhero after uh, drugs? Yes. Oh, they did. Right, good. Respect. If they did that, respect. If they didn't, (laughs) they are very, very silly. Um, No, they did, yeah. Excellent. I like superheroes named after Class A drugs. Uh, Well, her, 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 um, her boyfriend... Um, in in the in the in the com- in the Morlock comic series, she has a boyfriend called Crackhor. So that's <laughs> <laughs> no. No, no, no. He's called oh, Methadone he's Mick. That's his name, Methadone Mick. Um, oh God, that's even worse. No, that's a joke as well. That's a character from Still Game, the Scottish sitcom. Sorry, oh I'll yeah, stop yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll stop yeah, now. yeah, I don't know. I don't know what an insult would be from uh, Still Game because I've binged all of it. Uh, it wouldn't month. be broadcastable on our PG thirteen. Yeah, show. daft. <laughs> yeah, daft. We. I don't know. I, I can't think of anything. Anyway, uh, enough of the Scottish patois. Um, so back to the film. After weeks of torture from Angel Dust with no success, Wade starts to taunt Ajax by revealing his re- real name, France. Oh, sorry. Have I just done this We've bit? Done this, oh, mate. I've just. Yeah. Yeah, I've 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 repeated myself again. <clears throat> That's fine. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. <laughs> you daft, will you bobby? Episode twenty. Let's do it. No mistakes. <laughs> no mistakes. No mistakes. <laughs> Going to do a hundred percent speed run. That's for the games out there. Uh, the drop in oxygen triggers a reaction in Wade, but horribly disfigures his face and skin in the process. Wade uses a match he stole from Angel Dust to ignite the oxygen chambers and escape. Wade emerges from the burning rubble of the lab, unharmed by the fire and the explosion. 
He attacks Ajax and tries to kill him, but is distracted when Ajax claims that he is the only one who can cure Wade's disfigurement. Wade is then impaled on a steel bar and left for dead in the burning lab. So is this how he got his superpowers in the comic books, or was he just a bona fide mutant anyway? Um... Deadpool is not a mutant in the comic books. Right, okay. He is a mutate, like like Spider-Man. Right. He is not, not born with a mutant gene. He is mutated by, by events. Um, this is a bit... Un- in, in the movie, it's a bit that they're trying to trigger a, a mutant gene that hasn't been activated. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how that would where that would fall in things in in the comic books. It's quite similar, except for one quite quite salient, um, quite important difference. Um, so Wade discovers he has cancer. He leaves Vanessa and heads home to Canada, where he's contacted by Department K. Ooh. Now, in Marvel Comics, Department K are the top level of Canadian secret intelligence. Ah. Um, we've seen them before in comic books like Alpha Flight, who are the Canadian super team, the Canadian Avengers. Mm. And we've seen them in X-Men because they have a connection to Wolverine. Mm. Wade becomes a test subject in the Weapon X program. Oh. The same outfit that turns Logan into Wolverine. Interesting. And Wade gets implanted with a healing factor that they've kind of reverse engineered from Wolverine when they experimented on him and gave him the adamantium skeleton. So when Leafield created this character, just like with Cable, just like with everyone, he gives him a mysterious past which is alluded to but never specified because Rob Leafield hasn't created it or written it or worked out what it's going to be. He just does the first part of the novel, right? He writes a mystery novel and lets someone else <laughs> deal with the ending. That's how Rob Leefield created all of these characters. That's also is, how James... Is it the author James Patterson does the similar thing? I don't know. Well, he lets it, other people write the ending. No, no, no. What actually he does, apparently he writes the beginning of each chapter and has a ghostwriter finish it. That's why all his books, I think it's James Patterson. He's one of those. Jesus. Pre- yeah, apparently that's why he writes so many books a year. Because he wow. comes up with the idea, comes up at the beginning of each chapter and then has the, the other. That's why it's always James Patterson and someone else. Well, there we go. That's Rob Leefield as the James Patterson of, 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 uh, of comic books, superhero comics. Yeah. He, he's obsessed with this idea of. Um, Mysterious backgrounds and Rob Leefield. He, he, it's almost, it's not an artistic approach. It's almost like a commercial approach, mm. because what he what he wants to do, his intention with all of these characters, and we said it before, is to tie them to an already existing popular character. Yeah, to try and get that rub, to try and get that, as we say in the wrestling world, to try and get that rub from the other guy, to try and get <laughs> that bleed over of popularity, to try and get your non-character involved with a super popular character mm. he was the same with Cable it's the same with, with a lot of the characters he, he creates uh, and he always, Leafield always wanted to try and tie Deadpool to Wolverine because Wolverine is so hugely popular um, but once Leafield leaves Marvel Comics it's left to other writers to come up with whatever the mysterious past 
is going to be. They're almost painted into a corner, really. Mm. Um, so Weapon X gives Wade this healing factor. And he, he join, it, it puts his cancer into remission immediately. Right. And he joins the Weapon X crew of Black Ops agents sent on dangerous missions by Department K. But his healing factor starts to fluctuate and kind of like kaput and, and like fizzle out completely. His cancer ret- aggressively returns, causing all of these deformities on his skin and his face. Um, and Weapon X basically fires Wade and sends him to the hospice, in inverted commas. Um, and the hospice is their holding pen for all the subjects who, who fail the Weapon X program. Um, and, and, and unknown to the government, the hospice is run by a sadistic scientist called Dr. Kilbrew. Um, and, and, and his assistant, a man known, <laughs> known only as the, the attendant... Or the attending. Um, <laughs> Dr. Kilbrew and the attending. What, what, what are we, which, are we laughing at Kilbrew or attending? I'm laughing at both of them. Guy Kilbrew with a K. Obviously, it has to be with a K, right? <laughs> is it like yes, Iron it Brew, but bad for you? Kilbrew. Yeah, that's right. And the assistant. It sounds like the name of a hipster coffee brand. Yeah. Dr. Kilbrew. <sighs> Um, so, so Kilbrew and the attending experiment on Wade and torture him, trying to reactivate his superpowers. And mm. they run a Deadpool of which of the failed test subjects would die next. Mm. Um, and it, it reaches a boiling point where the attending, the assistant guy, rips out Wade's heart. Ooh, and that. Triggers and kickstarts Wade's healing factor again. That regenerates his body, saves his life, and gives him the heightened superpowers he needs to escape from the hospice. Wow. So it's very, very similar. Wow. Okay. That makes sense. But it but the movie, for whatever reason, perhaps because of the lackluster other movie doesn't want to tie Deadpool to Wolverine in this one. Right, that makes sense. It, it'd, be, it'd be tricky. It'd be tricky because then they'd have to pay for everything, which they almost did in the second one. Well, they don't have to because Wolverine doesn't feature in Deadpool's origin. You just mm. mention it. It's mentioned, right. They, they own the character, so... Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, obviously they said Paul Vereen, so they've mentioned him that way. Okay, I'm just trying to figure out the logistics now, getting back to that mindset. So, after being impaled and burned alive, Wade emerges from the rubble for, from the from the rubble of the lab, realizing that his mutation has not just cured him of cancer, but that he now possesses a superpowered healing factor, making him virtually unkillable. Although he tracks Vanessa down, he cannot come to terms with his complexion and he keeps himself away from her. On the advice of his best friend Weasel, Wade hides his identity with a mask and a costume and begins hunting down Ajax, murdering his way through the criminal organisation as the vigilante Deadpool. 
Wade also moves into the home of an elderly blind woman named Al. <laughs> so, so I, I also want to say something else uh, as well. Ajax, uh, because uh, I, I, don't, I don't really watch football, but I, I, I keep thinking it's Ajax, the, uh, the Dutch <laughs> football team. I keep thinking it's Ajax. I have to stop. I have to go, Ajax, Ajax, not Ajax, the Dutch football team. Uh, not even into football, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm doing that, uh, but auto-correcting in my head. Um, is it fair to say that Deadpool is essentially Marvel's equivalent of Bugs Bunny? He's <laughs> How Bugs, do you mean? Because he's the wacky, self-aware character who's virtually mm. unkillable. Uh, That's a really good point. And quite I, punchable. I, I, I really hadn't thought of that, because Bugs Bunny is the character that talks to the audience all the time. All the time. And wacky, he's, he's funny, unkillable. wacky, and sarcastic, unkillable. Yeah, yeah, you're hundred percent right, mate. I not, I had not thought of that at all. It's, it's, it's Bugs Bunny with outdated Limp Biscuit references. <laughs> no, I like that. That joke makes me giggle. Maybe it's because of my. It's like that joke. It's like that line on Peep Show. You can't trust people, Jez. People vote for the Nazis and listen to Coldplay, and it gets. And part of the reason why I like that like those kind of lines is like, yes, I hate that band too. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of comedy, but you just need to update it for a modern audience. <laughs> but, I, but I don't know any of the bands I hate yet. Which is why that joke isn't about Limp Bizkit; it's about Coldplay. <laughs> Because yeah. it was years later. Anyway. anyway. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Again, we're going down the comedy pit, uh, which is no longer open due to COVID. Uh, <laughs> sounded like a genuine venue then. So I like, uh, again, uh, I like uh, talking about talking about the writing on here. I loved the fun ways of saying he's ugly. The fun ways of saying he's ugly. And, and, and the one that really just pinches it off at the end, if you will, is just, you are haunting. <laughs> it's just perfect my only um my only like issue with any of that is that i don't think he's ugly enough at all i don't think he's disfigured enough he's got it just looks like he's got you know a few little odd pock marks on his face he looks like me Uh, after not wearing suntan (laughs) after wearing sunscreen he looks like me with a sunburn it 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 doesn't i mean in the comic books he is horrific yeah his face is awful yeah. So, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess there's something in perhaps if you have one, maybe they haven't got the budget for intense yeah. uh, prosthetics, and perhaps with a budget like that, you haven't got the time to spend having Ryan Reynolds spend yeah. six hours in makeup every day or whatever. And also, maybe if you've got the one recognisable star in your movie, you don't want to obscure. But then again, they put the, the mask on him. Oh, I don't I just, know. It, it just doesn't quite... Yeah, it's I just found it. He, he genuinely looks like a corpse. Yeah, he genuinely he looks horrible. Ah, I don't know. I I I think I think if they made it too repulsive, it would it would have like going. I don't know if I it want to laugh do. anymore. Yeah, what? yeah, it might do. You might be yeah. right. Yeah, and they just wanted to get the you know thing home. Uh, also, um, I, I noticed something. So I've seen this film quite a few times, as you can imagine. I I noticed something new this time around. Uh, when, during the the lovely montage, I I, I, I love that bit where he goes, "You're about to be killed by a zamboni." <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, "Tell me where Francis is, or you'll die in five minutes." <laughs> Uh, there's there's a bit where he's slamming someone's. Uh, he's in an office somewhere. He's slamming someone's head in a safe door. And behind them, there's just an old guy at a desk, sort of turned around. 
and looking at them quite disinterestedly. Oh, really? And it's quite funny. But it must it must have been on purpose. But he's just looking at them, going, "What's what's going on there? Why, why are they doing <laughs> that?" And I just thought it was great. Oh. Uh. So onto uh, side characters. What can you tell us about Weasel? Is he is he is he Wade's best friend in the comics, or is he just a barman? Um, well, this movie version of Weasel seems to be a combination of two characters. Um, in mm. the comic books, there's this safe house for mercenaries called the Hell House, mm. which is located on the disused site of. Sister Margaret's School for Wayward Children. Ah, there we go. It's mm. it's a place where mercenaries and hitmen can pick up jobs, and it's run by an old hitman called Patch, who works the bar and dishes out jobs and gives advice, mm. which is very similar to the Weasel we see here. Um, in 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 the comics, there's another character though called Weasel. When when Deadpool's a mercenary villain type, Weasel with his weapons dealer. And his tech support. <laughs> yeah. He first appeared in uh, an issue of Cable in 1993. Mm. Um, and and he goes from that and, and the limited series. He reappears in, in 2010 and becomes an ally slash sidekick slash snitch slash punching bag. They have a deeply weird relationship uh, not quite as weird as blind al but deeply weird that they, they it's based on money and some mutual respects and some like this is the guy i see every day yeah so we have a connection at work although my work is being a mercenary and he is someone who gets in the way and i sometimes have to beat up and maybe kill so Weasel's tried to kill Deadpool. Deadpool's tried to kill Weasel. They've also tried to help each other out a few times. Um, yeah, he he becomes like Deadpool's snitch and his helper. They do favours, but Deadpool also physically beats him and almost abuses him every chance he gets mm. to kind of keep the power dynamic. Um, he... He locks him. He keeps him prisoner in a torture room for a small period of time. And Weasel's part of this team of bad guys at one point that all want revenge on Deadpool. And so they all join together to kill Deadpool. And despite Weasel having second thoughts, and despite Weasel backing out of this, Deadpool murders him anyway. Just kills him stone dead. Uh, this guy who was kind of his sidekick <laughs> and his friend, and like when 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 Deadpool had him sent to prison, Deadpool recorded every episode of Battlestar Galactica for Weasel for when he got out. And he just <laughs> kills him, kills him at the end of it. It's a very odd relationship. It's pretty messed up. And his real name is Jack Hammer. Oh God! What, now why aren't you laughing at that one? You laughed at like something Doctor- something Blaze the other week. I, I I like Jack Ham. Jack Ham was too on the nose. It's too on the nose for me to laugh at. There's got to be subtlety to Jack okay. Hammer. Is just like I'm going to be played by Sylvester Stallone in a film in the '80s that went straight to video. You know. Yeah, but he isn't. He's a weasel. That's kind of the anyway. I I I I, I get the. I, I, let's just say I found Limp Biscuit funnier. Uh, <laughs> going back to that. Again. Um, okay. 
Also, uh, Al, the blind old lady, uh, very funny addition to the movie. Is she in the comic books too, or is there anybody based on on, on her? <clears throat> yeah, uh, this gets a little dark. Ooh. Blind Al is is not Deadpool's landlady. In the comic books, she is his prisoner. Ah. He kidnaps her and keeps her prisoner for years and is a sadistic abuser slash bully to her. Oh. Now, Blind Al's past is never fully cleared up. It's alluded to that she has a background in British intelligence. Before Weapon X, when Wade was a normal dude, Mm. a normal mercenary, he's hired to go to Central Africa, where Blind Al was stationed, and assassinate her. For reasons that are also not explained fully in the comics, Mm. what happens is Wade instead kills everyone else at the station house, but lets Blind Al go free. Oh. After gaining powers and going insane... Deadpool tracks Blind Al down, kidnaps her, and imprisons her in his home, where she's forced to like cook and clean for him. Wow. And she becomes a major part of his supporting cast. She acts as like a cross between prisoner, friend, housekeeper, Greek chorus, and <laughs> den mother. How how do they, how 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 Greek chorus? Because that's that's a term I haven't really come across too often, and I'm still getting my head around it. Oh well, um, extrapolating the, uh, the 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 plot to the audience and the innermost thoughts to the audience, and mm. also perhaps illuminating the protagonist as to their. Emotional state that they're not quite aware of, but is a, is a, is apparent to everyone else. So it's like peripheral narrative. Mm, yeah, yeah, it comes in and out. It comes in and out. Is anything like Deus Ex? <clears throat> Stop it. <laughs> um, so when 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 Joe Kelly's ninety seven series begins, mm. Blind Al has been Deadpool's prisoner for a, a few years already, mm. and things are quite harmonious between them. She seems pretty happy to have a roof over her head, food in the fridge, all the daytime TV she can listen to. Mm. She's a tough, cynical, wise-cracking lady who insults Wade and plays pranks on him, like she puts laxatives in his food when she's cooking for him mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But at the same time, she's his prisoner. She is forced to cook and clean is forbidden from having any visitors. Deadpool actively murders anyone that comes to try and save her. Ooh. One time, she escaped, trekked across the country, until she found her way to the house of a friend who could help her. But when she arrived, she found Deadpool was already inside the house and had tortured her friend nearly to death. Ooh. Deadpool punishes her by trapping her inside a small room full of sharp objects which for a blind person is particularly dangerous yeah that is horrible it's uh, after a while Deadpool sets her free Mm. uh, but Blind Al realises that Wade needs her 
so she refuses to go. It's a supremely effed up relationship. That sounds like Stockholm Syndrome. Yes. Yes. Or Helsinki Syndrome if you're watching Die Hard. <laughs> it, 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 it's really odd. And it never really gets resolved. And she just fades away into the background as other writers come on board. Mm. And she crops up now and then. But no one else wants to go near that. Weasel and Blind Owl are very, very odd aspects of Deadpool's character. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Okay, that's the side characters covered. So back to the film. Following a string of leads from various gangsters, Deadpool attacks a convoy of cars on the freeway, bringing events right up to the first scene of the movie. Deadpool finally gets his hands on Ajax, demanding for a cure to his disfigurement. But the confrontation is suddenly stopped by the huge X-Man, Colossus, who tells Wade that he has been warned before about his mutant powers to maim and kill. Colossus is accompanied by a sarcastic, belligerent teenage girl, an X-Man in training, called Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Now, I, I, I thought for a second, I'm going to have to dig, dig out because I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the band Monster Magnet and they do have a song called Negasonic Teenage Warhead from an album they did in 1995. So I want to know which came first. What band is this, sorry? Monster Magnet. Uh, where are they from? America. Boo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... What are you asking me? Uh, actually, well, I'm going to be asking you about Negasonic Teenage Warhead anyway, as she is quite yeah, an right, insane right. So when, when... character. <laughs> but I, 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 I want to know if yeah. there's any tie-in to Monster Magnet. She's a, a deeply obscure character. Yeah. She's first appears in 2001 mm. in Grant Morrison's thoughtful, explosive, and revolutionary X-Men run, mm. New X-Men. Her name is a joke. There's no reference to the band other than the name, but it's a short little punchline. Like, she's a teenager, and she says her mutant name, and one of the teachers says, Ha, huh, I guess we finally ran out of names for X-Men then. <laughs> um, That's quite a good joke. And, and, and it's also kind of the crazy... It's the kind of crazy thing a teenager would choose to call themselves. Yeah. Um, she is a... A white, pale-skinned, goth-looking teenager with very long, jet-black hair, elaborate black mascara, um, and eyeliner. And her mutant power is that she dreams... Her dreams tell the future. Well, her nightmares oh. tell the future. Her nightmares tell of terrible events that are going to occur. Hmm. She is a student of Emma Frost, the White Queen, attending... Ooh. A school on the mutant island nation of Genosha. Ah, okay. Which is a sovereign mutant nation. Um, and as the series begins, she tells her teacher Emma, Negasonic says that she's had the same dream 50 times. It's a dream of Genosha on fire and everyone dead. Oh, wow. And then that's exactly what happens. A swarm of terrifying, wild, animalistic robot sentinels descend on Genosha and commit genocide. Uh, In the space of an issue, 16 million mutants are murdered. And Emma Frost emerges from the rubble 
of of her school carrying her teenage negasonic student's body and Emma is catatonic she has a complete mental breakdown from surviving this genocide from dragging the dead mm. body of her student out of the building and and that's it negasonic teenage warhead is dead she doesn't really play a role going forward she reappears as a psychic ghost uh, down the line and that's that i mean once the movie comes out and she becomes kind of a, a, a popular character they i don't i don't quite know what they do they reintroduce the character and change completely have to completely change her look mm. her personality yep. her powers everything um yeah but that's uh, what's, it, 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 what's her they power reach in... for a name yeah they 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 reach for a name and then they went, went no we don't want want spooky powers we just want we want we want the moody goth girl to run at pe- people that are into a fireball that's what we want well she's not quite a, she, she's not a goth girl in the that's argued she's very much more like she feels to me like an outdated gen x kid with a phone yeah yeah uh, incredibly it's like, touch it's like of not quite yeah. the right generation there guys I think she's the second best thing in the whole movie. Really? Yeah. Are there's gonna... Ryan Reynolds and there's her. I think she's absolutely brilliant. The interplay between them is fantastic. Because she's the straight man. Uh, not necessarily, no. she. It's just her, her performance is great. The way the character is written is great. Mm. The interplay with, with, with Reynolds is great. Yeah, she kind of plays a straight man. She's... she's more biting than him. Yeah, she's like she puts him down. She all uh, it's incredible to have this bouncing Bugs Bunny thing hit a hit an absolute rock, a concrete wall. The the power and the in the power mm. of a teenager's indifference. Yeah, yeah that's exactly <laughs> it's shocking it. and horrifying. The it's horrible. You get it's horrible. It's awful. It's horrible thing. And to you come can't across. relate to them, and they, they have so much power in their in their, and uh, it's conveyed so brilliantly. That actress, uh, Brianna Brianna Hildebrand, Brianna Hildebrand, something like that. I just think it's absolutely really really good. And Colossus is really great as well. But I I and I'm not surprised they brought her back for the sequel because um, I I can't think of a better thing other than Ryan Reynolds. I can't think of a better thing in the movie. Yeah, I totally got spot on. Uh, I was just thinking at uh, the, uh, the what she looks like in the comics before the redo, and she looks like an unused character from Neil Gaiman's Sandman. <laughs> she really does. Yeah, she has the death. She has a death vibe, doesn't she? Uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman is one series of comics, films, or whatever or games I have never completed. Never got to the end of it. I, I've I've tried, but it just I just something happens and I stop reading it and move on to something else. <laughs> Um, I think for people that are attuned to episodic, serialized, continuous stories, mm. it can be a bit jarring because it is almost more a collection of short stories with characters that carry over. Yeah, um, it's it's one of my favourite things I've ever read. But it's incredible. Some of it's absolutely incredible. But it, yeah, it's but I, it, very a lot to take on at times. Oh, oh! In one go, certainly. Doll's House is superb. Mm, uh, that's um, the, the third, the third collection. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. It's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, also, back to Monster Magnet for a quick sec. On that same album, they do have a song called "Ego: The Living Planet." Right, which is definitely that's a nice connection. Definitely, definitely um, a Marvel connection there. Oh yes, the Ego: The Living Planet, and, and Grant Morrison, who 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 wrote. Who created that character? 
you know, he's a, he's a very rock and roll, rock star kind of dude. Mm. So I'm not surprised that he has uh, knowledge of that band in 2001. <laughs> oh, is that when he wrote the character? Yeah. Oh, that's really weird. That, that that's a really weird connection. I'm gonna have to research on that later, and I might mention it next time if I can be bothered. Uh, so back to the freeway, which I swear half the movie takes place on this freeway. But I'll go on about that <laughs> in a bit. Uh, Colossus wants Deadpool to stop his murderous ways and join the X Men, but the confrontation allows Ajax to escape. Enraged. Deadpool attacks Colossus, but breaks both his hands on the X-Man's indestructible body. Colossus handcuffs himself to Deadpool and begins dragging Wade to the X-Mansion, but Wade cuts off his own hand to escape. I like that. I like that because it was just... Every single hit that he did against him was a punchline, wasn't it? It was great. It was a nice little playful bit where he just both his wrists are horribly broken and he just swung around like that. He goes, all the dinosaurs feared the T-Rex, which feels like a very Jim Carrey moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and then he like breaks his leg and he's hopping around and then it felt very Monty Python, very, very Monty Python, Black Knight. And, it was very yeah. Monty Python. But I did like... <laughs> When he went for his groin, and he just got on, on, on the pain reaction, he goes, "Oh, your poor wife!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, such a, such a good moment. Um, so, like, I so Colossus. We get we finally get um, a Russian Colossus in the X Men. It's technically an X Men film. I like to think of this as, but uh, he is a bit of a cartoon character. This one, like. Yes, it doesn't have much personality. He feels like a cardboard cutout superhero in this film. It's- well, he doesn't get much st- much much stage time. I mean, he he has more personality than the villain who gets oh, loads more screen time. God, we discussed that, didn't we? On the, on, on, we discussed that, didn't we, online? I was like, yeah, yeah. whoa. I think he's the most... We'll talk about it, but he's the most forgettable villain I've ever come across in any film. Even Thor Dark World was more remember- memorable. I- yeah, I, I thought we'd we'd found the worst with the Ghost Rider movie. I thought Blackout and Ghost Rider was truly the worst villain we'd come across. I was talking about Arch villain. This one is this one villain. is yeah, Blackheart is the main villain. Which one's Blackout and Ghost Rider? Blackheart. Blackheart, the main villain in Ghost Rider. Oh god, the, the young the young the young man. Because I thought it was Stephen Dorff from Blade for a second. Because I thought, oh, it's him. No, isn't it? no, no. Oh, oh yeah, he I was. Thought, bad. I thought. Blackheart was the most... It was so forgettable you forgot he was in the movie. <laughs> there we go. That, that proves your argument. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, as I said, I swear this, this is the thing I noticed. This play, this this movie, half of it, I remember the trailer showed, showed mainly the highway scenes and I swear it mostly takes place in this. This uh, Tim Miller, uh, another Tim Miller film, Terminator Dark Fate, most of that took place on a highway as well. That's true, yeah. So what is yeah. it with Tim Miller and highways? <laughs> He's obviously got a deal with the Highways Commission to uh, really promote how, how great highways are for shoot 'em ups. <laughs> Indeed. So, back to Colossus. We've covered two X Men movies so far on our journey, but this is the first time we're really seeing Colossus. Like, what can, we te- what can you tell us about the character? Because he's quite interesting. I've always found him interesting. Created in 1975 as, as part of the second generation of X Men mm. uh, after the, the, the original comic book series had, had died in popularity and and been cancelled and for more of that go and check out our x-men episode in the archives 
the, the new team in 75 had an international membership. Mm. So Banshee from Ireland, Wolverine from, from Canada, Nightcrawler from Germany, Storm from Kenya, Thunderbird, the Native American from uh, America, and, and then Colossus from the USSR. Yes. Um, Pietra Rasputin grew up <laughs> of course. in um, grew up on a Soviet collective farm in Siberia, and his powers manifested for the first time, saving his little sister from a runaway tractor. Mm. He is clearly modelled on the Soviet slogan and idea of the Iron Man, which was applied to Stalin, and he's clearly. Inspired by the dramatic Soviet paintings, um, propaganda paintings uh, of the the strong, barrel-chested, broad-shouldered mm. Soviet farmer, yeah, uh, the hammer and the sickle and all of that. Hence, his kind of his his farmer background and his metallic armor. Whoops, a daisy, bashing things around in here. Um, C- Colossus is a calm, peaceful, shy country bumpkin. He doesn't like violence. He hates the idea the X-Men might have to kill to save the day, which becomes an ongoing theme in the 80s. He's an artist. He's quite Ooh. a gentle soul. Um, he's with a team from 75 on through for decades and decades. A stalwart of the X-Men fans really, really adored him, although he doesn't really have enough personality or backstory or interest to carry a solo title. Mm. Um, he has a relationship with, with Kitty Pride that fans are very fond of. Um, in the 90s, he goes through quite a dark period of his life. His sister dies from something called the Legacy Virus, which was targeting and killing mutants. And Colossus leaves the X-Men and joins Magneto's side, the Acolytes, and starts to rethink his whole approach to mutants and humans and all of that he, he, he leaves Magneto and then joins Kitty Pride's team of mutants based in Britain who were called Excalibur <laughs> um, when, when scientists find a potential cure for the legacy virus it can only be activated and perfected on a global scale if a mutant takes the what they think is the cure and dies from the virus then it will change within their body and become Something that can cure every one of the legacy virus. Oh, wow. Colossus doesn't want any more children to die like his little sister did. So he sacrifices himself. He injects himself with the cure and the virus. And then in a quite a touching and poignant moment in the life of this beloved character, he, he, he quietly dies, not in battle, but through sac- self-sacrifice. Um, anyway, they brought him back two years later. Obviously. So he could go on. Hitting things, clunking <laughs> <laughs> um, things. Because that's why yeah. I always, whenever he punches things, all I can hear is that sound, like, Kung! you know. Yeah, it's, it's it's actually his return to the world was handled really, really well by Joss Whedon in his Ooh. run on Astonishing X Men, one of the best character resurrections ever put together, um, and and they managed to keep it a complete secret and surprise from all the readers. Um, this was pre-internet, but there were a lot of fan magazines like Wizard and Hero that mm. had all the inside scoop and would tell you what was coming up in every comic. So it was a real joy to read that. They did a real great job of misdirection. They spent about three issues making all the readers think 
Jean Grey was going to come back from the dead for a ninth time, <laughs> and you couldn't you couldn't be less disinterested. You couldn't be you know less interested in that. And then from out of absolute nowhere, it's Colossus. It was really really nice. Oh, that is two thousand. 2011 he becomes the new juggernaut and that's really weird and i'm still not entirely sure what happened there it didn't last um no no but see that's that's not good i always he always came even in the cartoon series some of the cartoon series he came off as a very nice and lovely person well my, my next point is that he's not really in the cartoon series what he was he, he was in one briefly. episode briefly yeah, one episode in, but he was lovely yeah. in it so so he, he's a a, a, a very big part of the team, but mm. he is left out of the cartoon series. He becomes one of you know, Banshee gets one episode. <laughs> Who the hell is Banshee? Banshee was with the with the team for like three or four issues. Nightcrawler gets one or two episodes. Uh... So Colossus gets left out of the the, the the TV series. He's not part of the main team, and he's left out of the uh, the X Men movies. He gets that one. Brief cameo in X Men Two, and and then that's it. I think he shows up later on in Days of Future Pasts, whatever's, mm. but not really. It's it's nothing until until this movie. He's in a lot of the video games. But yeah, yeah, he's popped up in a few of the video games. Yeah, I can, especially I, mm. the old Children of the Atom, which is the first fighting game, and then um, he's in Marvel vs. Capcom, the first one. I think to, no, I didn't play any of Children of the Atom. I did watch a guy play it on YouTube, though. That's, that's the same. It's the same thing. It's, it's a great way to spend your time. Yeah, I mean, as a fighter, to be honest, with fighting games, you might as well just watch someone play it because you try and play it, and it's like I might as well throw the, the controller at the wall. I'm going to win that way. <laughs> anyway, so back to the film. The next night, Weasel convinces Deadpool to finally go to Vanessa and reveal that he's actually still alive. At the strip club where she works, Vanessa is lured into a back alley and kidnapped by Ajax and Angel Dust. Ajax contacts Wade and tells him to meet them on a decommissioned aircraft carrier at a scrapyard. I'm sorry, I couldn't get through that sentence because there's not really a scrapyard, is it, if there's a decommissioned aircraft carrier? It's a bit weird, isn't it? It is a bit weird. I, I go on about it later on, but I'm just going to put aside. I, I I couldn't keep a straight face while reading that sentence. Uh, realizing he can't save way. Uh, sorry, realizing he can't save Vanessa on his own. Deadpool goes to the X Mansion to ask for help. Wade bickers with Negasonic teenage Warhead on the front porch as he accuses them of letting a terrorist go free. Deadpool convinces Colossus and Negasonic to help him, and the trio take a cab to the scrapyard where they face down a small army of armed guards. Deadpool has left his giant bag of guns behind, so is only armed with two swords. Angel Dust leaps down from the top of the aircraft carrier, lands completely unharmed, and then hits Colossus so hard she sends him flying into the distance. I I, I, I know we're probably going to talk, we talked about it already about the X-Mansion, but I just really loved... The the fourth wall breaking of 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 the whole X Men franchise, especially when they're on about which which uh, Charles Xavier was it? Um, what was he say? Is it is it, is it McAvoy or Stewart? Damn, these 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 uh, timelines confusing. Do you think that was the same uh, X Men mansion they used, like they they used in the original films? It's stock footage. It's, it's stock footage. Yeah, right. and the the, the 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 footage of the of the Blackbird taking off they use in one scene is taken from. One of the existing films as well. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, 
Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, well, they own it. They own it. Oh, yes, obviously, yeah, yeah, because it's... 20- I, I have to say, I don't so much mind the the line about timelines. The front porch scene where, when we're meant to care about how high the stakes are, Deadpool talks about this just being a film that can't afford a, enough actors... Just like a lot of the times this happens, takes me out of it, and I go, "Oh yeah, there's no point caring about this, is there?" Like, I, I, uh, why I... even have the pretense of why not do full spaceballs comedy? <laughs> full, you know, why not do full Mel Brooks style wackiness? Why keep layering in? And you can have violence and all of that. Why keep layering in these attempts to get you to care and to get you to? care about the stakes and 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 be invested in the drama if you're mm. going to keep turning around and slapping me in the face as if to say stop caring about this you idiot it's not real i'll be honest when i've been watching marvel films in the past and some of the a lot of the more recent ones you know i'm emotionally gripped and i'm really into it and like oh my god mm. even though i know what's happening with deadpool i'm not with Deadpool, I think I think my my counter argument is the superhero style plot and the and the whole risk and at the stakes and everything is just the skeleton to hang the jokes off of. It's just it's just a way of advancing the plot so we can have more knob gags. That's the, the, why do such a good job of the emotional relationship yeah. between Vanessa and Wade because they really yeah. do. They put a lot of work and effort into that. Why make us care about these characters? It's it's the only reason to do that is to build drama. It's not to build comedy. Yeah, but you need drama to bounce the comedy off. I I, I no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You need you need. Otherwise, comedy films would have dramatic elements. I'm trying to think of an example now and failing. No, there's nothing. Some do, I suppose. Some do. Yeah. I'm not trying to be an arse. I, I know. I know. No, know. I know what you mean because I, I find the. I don't mind some of the allusions to the fourth wall. I find the very on the nose. We can't afford actors enough actors to do. I, I find that took me just just took me out of it in a way at a time when I wanted to be in it. But then they play DMX and I'm back in it. <laughs> so you know. yeah, I I, I I really appreciate the use of XCOM. Give it to you. Uh, that I said that in the whitest way possible. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay, so uh, I'm going to sound white when I say Angel Dust now. Angel Dust? What are Angel Dust's powers then? Because she seems to just be strong. Yeah, pretty much that. She, she has this um, superhuman strength and, and durability and speed and things, but it, it's all brought on by adrenaline. Ah. And, and it only lasts for short periods of time before she burns herself out. Um, the idea is it's it's like an angel dust frenzy. Yeah, I was about to say that sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. what it's meant to be. Um, I I do also remember there being something about her being able to have a a super long lifespan, um, like an extension of her of her enhanced durability and resistance to you know poisons and diseases and stuff. Uh, but I, I'm not. I don't remember a huge amount about that. She was not in. She's not really a you know noteworthy enough character. 
Um, she lost all her mutant powers in the M-Day event, thanks to the Scarlet Witch depowering hundreds of thousands of mutants across the world, across the multiverse. Remember? Remember that from Age of Ultron? <laughs> Suddenly she can warp all of reality. Anyway. Mm. So, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. That, I, I, I mean, that, that's, that sounds almost like what she does here, but I mean, they just they just manifest it as, oh, she does that so she can punch better. Yeah, she's not given an origin story. She's not given a background. It kind of doesn't, almost doesn't need to happen, does it? It's just, she's strong. Exactly. After finishing her tweet, Negasonic charges at Angel Dust, creating a flaming aura around herself as she crashes into the terrorist. Colossus and Angel Dust engage in a brutal, hard-hitting slugfest. Colossus has the upper hand, but stops fighting when one of Angel Dust's boobs becomes exposed and he covers his eyes out of embarrassment. Can I please have you say boobs again? I love it. (laughs) Boobs. Proceed. Uh, I'll proceed. I, I am boobed out. Uh, this gives Angel Dust the opening to punch Colossus right in the balls. The Jimmy Jaffers. The Jaffers. The Iron Jaffers from the Iron. <laughs> ah, then it's not. It's the end of the cold. The hammer and sickle. Oh, oh. It, he, he hammered those sickles right away. Oh, oh, etc. <laughs> balls. Anyway, is is he much? Is he, he is this much of a gentleman? Is he Colossus? Yeah, he's 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 very shy around women because um, he's a you know he's a country bumpkin. He's a, he's a kind of a shell. He lived on this commune his whole life. Yeah, and on that on that seventy five X Men team, mm. uh, Wolverine has all this experience because he's Wolverine. He's been a soldier and a spy and a mercenary and all of that. Nightcrawler is the super charming, dashing, romantic figure. And they're always trying to get Colossus out of his shell, especially around women. Um, and Colossus is very popular with the ladies, but Ooh. doesn't know it. Oh, um, of course. They have a mission in outer space. And after saving the day, Colossus is practically jumped by some nice alien ladies. There's a story where the X-Men are in the Savage Land, helping these um, lost sort of prehistoric-style tribes. Mm. And, and after... The big fight, and they save the day. Colossus is being attended to, and given a guided tour, and basically led off to a secluded part of the jungle by two scantily clad, proper like fur bikini prehistoric yeah. lost tribe. Two of them are leading him off to a secluded area of the jungle, and he has no idea what's happening. And he keeps inviting people to come. Logan, do you want to come for a tour? And Logan's like, no, mate, no, 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 no. You go with them. We'll all stay here. And he's like, okay, but we'll be good tour. He's like, no, mate, you say you go with the two women. But yes, he's very much in in, in this in that vein. That, that's not an that is not an out of character moment at all. I thought it was a really, really I, good okay. That that moment. that that makes more sense then. I guess I just don't know the character that well. Um, yeah, I, I I won't say boobs again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> boobs is how it came. Boobs. Great, loved yeah. it. Like like it written for five or six O's. Five or six. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like it's like Google. It's like Google where you have more. Yeah, it, it, I don't know how Google works anymore. Anyway, 
so back to the film. Meanwhile, Deadpool kills his way through the armed guards and finally reaches Ajax at the top of the aircraft carrier. There, Ajax has trapped Vanessa inside the same oxygen chamber that tortured Wade a year ago. Deadpool and Ajax engage in a vicious sword fight and Francis stabs Wade in the brain. In Vanessa, the brain. The brain. Not the boobs. The brain. <laughs> right in the brain. Right in the brain. It was, it was a bit... It, Vanessa managed to free herself from the octon chamber and stabs Ajax with one of Deadpool's swords. Like, I, I know I giggled at this earlier and I couldn't do that sentence, but I have no idea why there is a ruined aircraft carrier near a major US city. But I'm fine to run with it. I mean... No, my, my, I also, the problem is I also don't have enough knowledge to say that would never happen. Like, for all I know, that's common. I... You're talking to a man from Portsmouth uh, whose family were in the Navy. Uh, decommissioned decommissioned aircraft carriers and any kind of frigate or big warship. Sorry, guys. Um, skip the next two minutes <laughs> while I bore up to death about decommissioning. Uh, okay, I don't know the ins and outs, but they do have things in the dock where they will just decommission it. Where They'll take it apart. They won't dump it in a scrap heap in a city near a major populated area. <laughs> it would just be... It's a waste yeah, of, but, of resources. Uh, but America's the land of the private contractors, mate. So maybe instead of having the actual Navy do it, you know... Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. We get a yeah. private firm in, and they just yeah. dump it in a scrapyard. But the private firm would be would be going. Oh my god, we've got all this material. We could take this apart and you and oh. and then sell it on. That, that that's the sen- They're essentially paying someone to fly tip the entire van. <laughs> that's what they've done um, here. If that's happened, American American listeners of the Versaverse, get in touch. We need to let us know. We need to know. Yeah, please. What do. happens to your decommissioned aircraft carriers? Are they near metropolitan areas? Please send an email. Marvel versus Marvel at gmail.com. Let us know. Are they also likely to fall over uh, (laughs) if there's a fight on the top? Uh, So I think it is the best time to talk about him. Because because otherwise we will forget. (laughs) What can you tell us about Francis (laughs) slash Ajax? Ajax is, he's introduced in 98 and then retconned into being there earlier. So he's introduced by Joe Kelly as this cybernetic armoured guy who hates Deadpool. He's incredibly strong and fast. He can create sonic booms by snapping his fingers. Mini sonic booms. Um, And the first thing he does when he attacks Deadpool is knock him off a cliff and practically kill him. Ooh. It's then revealed through flashback that Ajax was part of Deadpool's origin. Ah. He, was do- he was the attending, the assistant to Dr. Kilbrew ah. in the hospice. Okay. He was the one, the, in the attending, the assistant guy is completely unnamed in the original limited series where he, where he, where he comes about. So they, they kind of retcon that unnamed figure into being this person, Francis. He, he's the one who tortured Wade endlessly and ripped out his heart. Mm. He, he's the guy. He feels no pain. He's an enhanced soldier and is a real bully to these guys that have washed out of the Weapon X program. And so, very similar to how things play out in the movie, Wade taunts 
Ajax with his real name. Well, he's not called Ajax at the time. He taunts the attending with his real name, Francis. After getting his superpowers, Wade tracks him down and thinks that he's killed him. But but Francis somehow survives, receives all these cybernetic upgrades and his armour and becomes a supervillain calling himself Ajax, which is a terrible name. It's um, terrible. The battle between Deadpool and Ajax brings Dr. Kilbrew into the fray, who is now a retired old man who really regrets all of the things he did at the hospice, especially to mm. Deadpool. And so Kilbrew wants some form of redemption, so he is now involved in this. He stops Ajax from killing Deadpool and basically sacrifices himself to try and save Wade, which lets Wade... Uh, disable Ajax's armor and, and and break his neck to finally kill him for real. So he was ninety eight created, but then retconned to be there as part uh, you know as part of Deadpool's origin. And and it takes place very very similar to to the to the origin we see here. Yeah, it does it does sound similar? I I just think Ajax is a terrible name. I know it's I know it's a joke in the film. It's like hey, you sound like laundry detergent. It, it might be a joke in the comics. It, yeah, that the, the some of the some of the contextual issue is that we don't have Ajax as a product over here, so I'm not sure if it's just a, a kind of dumb name or if it's meant in the comics. Is it meant to be a real joke? The, sure. the, only, the only way it would work if it was in an early '90s beat 'em up on the Sega Mega Drive or something. That <laughs> then then Streets of Rage with Ajax. Yes, you know what I mean. You know exactly yeah, what course, I mean. Yeah. Excellent, love that game. So. As Angel Dust chokes Colossus with a steel cable, Negasonic Teenage Warhead turns herself into a powerful flaming missile, blowing up the scrapyard, saving Colossus and causing huge damage to the aircraft carrier. The carrier begins to collapse as Ajax, Vanessa and Deadpool are all sent hurtling towards the edge. Deadpool saves Vanessa by locking her inside the oxygen chamber before the entire carrier collapses. So, so far in this movie, we've seen Deadpool survive being shot, cut, impaled, burned alive, stabbed in the brain, and buried underneath an <laughs> aircraft carrier. You're right, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I enjoyed reeling those off. Uh, how powerful is his healing factor? In the comic book, so in... Uh, so, there are non canon comics that, that take place in alternate worlds like Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe mm. and these are fan service comics the only people buying them are massive Deadpool fans and Deadpool fans want to see Deadpool kill everybody and never die so in these comics Deadpool is able to kill everybody and never die they don't quote unquote counts they're not really a part of the regular 616 universe the regular Marvel universe but there are comics out there where he does all sorts of insane crazy things in the regular Marvel universe 616 he's been punched full force by Hulk which smashed him to a pulp but he basically kind of regrew and fixed himself and got better he was shot through the eye, directly into the brain by the Punisher, but managed to recover and carry on fighting, even with a bullet in his brain. 
Uh, wow. Wolverine's cut his head off with his adamantium claws. Non-surprisingly. And, and it didn't kill him. Um, in fact, he's lost his head a few times, and the head keeps working even without a heart or blood or oxygen. Now, that's weird. Yeah, that's mystical is what that is. Um, and, and then when you place that, the, the head doesn't like regrow another body, but when you place the head back on the body, it kind of regrows all, all the stuff it needs, the veins and the synapses and all that. And, I was about to say, because otherwise it's yeah. just a waste of a body and there's going to be bodies around, you know. Yeah. That is weird. Yeah. So he, he can do, and again, he can do a hell of a lot more in the wild, wacky stuff. Uh, Headpool from the Deadpool core is a disembodied head of of Deadpool that is still alive and has lost its body, but is but he's alive. Just, he just he's just made that his life choice. It's just a head, just a head bites bites people. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Uh, also, random thing. This has never happened on the podcast before. My fiance just messaged me saying, just overheard you. Did you want more input on how aircraft carriers get recycled because we deal with this at work? <laughs> Happy to come in. I also really enjoyed Deadpool, if that helps. <laughs> I'd love to have an aircraft carrier segment. That'd be great. I don't know. I, th- I think we're dragging on a bit of the aircraft carrier stuff. <laughs> otherwise, I'd say definitely come in. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. So... Coming, we're coming towards the end now. Colossus and Negasonic pull Vanessa unharmed from the wreckage. Deadpool beats Ajax viciously and tries to force the terrorist to fix his disfigured face. Ajax laughingly admits there is no cure for what Deathpool, sorry, Deadpool now looks like. <laughs> so I don't know where that came from. Uh, Deathpool. Deathpool. That's quite hardcore. Uh, Wade puts a gun to Ajax's head, but Colossus tries to convince him to be a hero and spare his enemy's life. As the Russian gives an emotional speech, Deadpool pulls the trigger and blows Ajax's head off, making Colossus throw up at the sight of it. It's one of those moments where you're waiting for it, you're waiting for it, you're going, you know he's going to do it. He's going to, he's definitely going to do it. But you wait for that perfect timing. But what I love was Colossus immediately vomiting, like he's never seen someone being shot before. Yeah. And again, it really is in keeping. I don't know necessarily about vomiting, but Colossus is so... He so, has such a big heart, and he's so against uh, murder and things like that. Yeah, mm. it's it, it was it was nice, um, and I have to say, um, I, 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 as, as superhero um, as superhero final fights go, this was a solid five out of ten. It was just it was standard. It was you know nothing really special yeah. was going on. No, it it was it was meant to be built around the set piece, the big action set piece of an aircraft carrier collapsing and people falling. But yeah, they didn't ramp the tension up high enough for it to be a memorable set piece. What because they kept playing Wham and Chicago? Oh no, Chicago. Not necessarily, they it just well there there are moments like that which do detract. But you know, it it's also not like if you watch any of those set pieces in like the latest. Mission Impossible film where yeah. they are falling, I think in an, in a small aircraft or a helicopter on the side of a mountain, and like the whole thing is about the falling in different stages. You're racked with tension as you watch these things happen. 
Mm. Not, I'm not saying that, but there's a lot more tension in, like, for instance, Civil uh, Winter Soldier when the heli carrier is collapsing. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff, you know. There's yeah, a lot yeah, more yeah. of that going on there. This is not meant for that. Begs the question, why do it? But there you go. Yeah, agreed. It, it feels like you know we can contractually oblige every Marvel film. A big thing must fall over or something like that because it looks cool. So. Deadpool working with the X-Men seems like an odd fit. Does he ever join them in the comic books? No, not really, no. Um, he he is forced to team up with Cable for a long time in the... There's a comic book series called Cable in, in Deadpool. Basically, Cable's teleporter gets um, corrupted so that, for mm. some reason, it, it, it basically somehow... Cable's teleporter and Deadpool's teleporter get get merged without Ooh. their consent, so they cannot teleport on their own. Oh. <laughs> Whenever one, any one of them has to go somewhere to do something, the other one gets teleported with them. Ah, okay, so it's okay. a great way of forcing these this kind of odd couple to be together on on these missions and adventures and stuff. Um, but but you know neither one of them at the time are part of the X Men or in are in favour with the team. Deadpool has a long connection with Wolverine thanks to Weapon X, and he, he, he moves closer and closer towards Logan. In 2008, Deadpool joins a new secret Black Ops version of X-Force, put together by Wolverine and Archangel. This is a team who are perfectly happy to commit murder in order to get the job done. Ooh. The concept of this X-Force is to eliminate threats to mutants before they arise. Proactive military strikes from a team of mutant assassins. Like, this is not Charles Xavier's dream. (laughs) This is the exact opposite of Xavier's dream. Um, and, And he joins this team because Deadpool wants to start doing some things right in the world mm. and he is aware enough to know he doesn't know what that is so he lets Wolverine be his moral compass because he sees him as someone that have had the same background but Wolverine is accepted as a hero part of the X-Men, part of the Avengers you know so he lets Wolverine guide him towards what his path should be so yeah he's on that team which is yeah, that series, Rick Remender's Uncanny X-Force, is the dog's B-word. It really <laughs> is the absolute shizzle. I don't know if people who like Deadpool from this movie will like it, because Deadpool isn't... It's not out-of-control, wacky, zany stuff. Mm. It's But it's absolutely brilliant. It's, it's completely secret, off the books. None of the other X-Men know about this X-Force team. Uh, it causes a huge amount of... Mock, it's questionable ethics and morality, um, and it's really, really strong. Good, great series, but you know, not not that. Deadpool does get to be kind of wacky, Deadpool, but it's in the middle of a lot of a lot of yeah horrific stuff going on. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, moral questioning. Yeah, yeah. Again, when Deadpool you... becomes the when Deadpool becomes the voice of reason. The voice of morality. It's a really great way of displaying 
some of these people have lost their way. And that's kind of his point. He's like, guys, if I'm the one saying this is messed up, mm. do you have any idea how messed up, how far you've fallen in this whole kill first, ask questions later world? It's great. Really good series. That yeah, sounds good. As I say, you, you, you do you need the comedy interspersed with little moments of darkness. I don't know. I'm trying to make that yeah. argument still. I'm trying to make that argument. <laughs> so we're, th- we're through now to the final bit of the film. Vanessa and Wade reunite. She takes off his mask to reveal he's wearing a paper mask of Hugh Jackman's face. <laughs> Wade is ashamed of how he looks, but Vanessa says that after an adjustment period and a lot of drinks, he has a face she'd be happy to sit on. Ray. <laughs> That's a joke from Viz magazine. I remember that joke. They reconcile and kiss as Colossus says they'll make an X-Man out of Wade one day. In the post credit scene, Deadpool begins to reenact the post credit scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off before interrupting himself saying they couldn't afford a more spectacular teaser featuring Sam Jackson with an eye patch. After a brief cutaway, he then returns to announce there will be a sequel involving Cable, suggesting that he might be played by Mel Gibson, Dolph Lundgren, or Kira Knightley. <laughs> that was a nice, nice. There was a nice little post-credit scene. I thought. So I, 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 I appreciated the they, they, going. Yes, there will be a sequel right at the end. <laughs> that was nice. I got really jazzed at the. I mean, I didn't know how much to believe of it because you don't know how well it's going to do when you see it. Yeah, but. I really want to see Cable's one of those characters I really want to see on cinema so I was excited that that might happen so yeah that was cool that was cool Mm. so Will that was Deadpool on the 20th episode of Marvel versus Marvel thank you so much for taking us through all the steps all the pieces of the story and thank you for asking all the questions without you this would be me sat in a room <laughs> answering nothing. Um, <laughs> what then were... Oh, we want to know your final thoughts on the movie. It'd be interesting to know what did you come out of the cinema thinking the first time? Um, I, I, uh, I, 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 was, I was happy. I, I, I went in there knowing what to expect and came out... It felt less like a Marvel film to me and felt more like a comedy film. It was me going to see the new, the new, like Will Ferrell film. That's definitely one of his better ones, if that makes sense. Like the other guys, you know, something like that. Yeah. It was like I'm going. I know exactly what I'm going to go in for, and I came out pretty much going, "Yeah, that's what I wanted." It's not like it's not like when I usually see a Marvel film and I come out and go, "Oh my god, didn't expect that." All oh, the, the that was surprising. <laughs> oh, that was that was that was good. That was good. It was more like ah, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. It did its job. It did its job just fine. I think what we found from uh, the the listeners writing into us, people writing into us to tell us their thoughts on on this movie, what I've come to see, and this mirrors the comic book world. What what I've come to see is that people who really like Deadpool mm. are people that don't like Marvel movies, MCU, generally yep. don't generally don't like superheroes, or thought maybe one or two were okay, but then. They really don't like there's so many of them. Like that, yeah. that causes them so, for some for some reason that gets inside their soul and it causes them to be upset. I um, I, I know I can understand. It's like oh oh there's there's this whole like oversaturization of Marvel and it's like oh it's affecting like the film industry. I'm just there going oh it's not affecting anything. It's not affecting anything. It's not affecting anything. 
It's not it's... affecting you or any other filmmaker. Well, I suppose people are more exposed to it, and and, and like the more they don't like something, the more exposed to it, the more they hate it. And it's like that's like saying I hate football because I'm more exposed to it than I am tennis, which I truly love. Don't watch it. <laughs> Just watch tennis. The end. I have solved your problem. Why are you still talking? Um, I think I think people just like have, like 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 Lim biscuit. They just want to have something to punch down on. <laughs> I, I I I think that completely mirrors Deadpool fans. Not all. There's not hashtag not all Deadpool fans, but in general, my belief, and this carries to a, a, there's a DC character called Lobo who is virtually identical to Deadpool in terms of tone and. And, and direction, extreme violence, fourth wall breaking ish, and and you know over the top zany antics and stuff. They because a lot a lot of Deadpool fans don't really like other Marvel stuff or superheroes, mm. or if they do, like a small amount of it, but not really. Those people are really drawn to Deadpool. Yeah, because at its core. It has a uh, a vein of contempt for superheroes in it. <laughs> that is that yep. is what carries it. It's a vein of contempt for superhero movies or superhero comic books. So people that aren't on on on, on that kind of wheel mm. are drawn to that. You know that kind of you know slight disdain and mockery and and, and all of that kind of stuff. I think uh, I was describing this with I was discussing this with Peter J. Um, whoop whoop! Our, our original Patreon um, subscriber, you know, who who has kind of a similar feelings towards Deadpool as I do. Mm. Um, I, again, I, I really like Deadpool when he's in a regular Marvel universe, doing things like X Force and some of the other stuff. Yeah. Um, I quite I quite like him when he's written in that respect. I don't personally have any time for the wacky zany adventures. That doesn't appeal to me. I love Marvel because of this serialized ongoing storylines and character arcs and story arcs and I don't really feel you get much of a character development from Deadpool or there, a character there, arc from Deadpool. There is, there is none. He's the same character once you he's You know what? Yeah. And you've done it again, Will P. What have I done? You beautiful, beautiful son of a bee. You've nailed it in an innocuous thing that dropped out of your head. It's a Bugs Bunny cartoon. It's a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Bugs Bunny doesn't Bugs Bunny doesn't have character development. It doesn't have story arcs. It's just Bugs Bunny. It's wacky. It's zany. It's over the top. It's extreme violence. But yeah. admittedly, you don't see gore or anything, and it's kind of fun. The the thing is, I I had this theory that the Deadpool film is uh, what was it? It either exists inside Deadpool's head or in the Marvel universe. It's a film that exists in the Marvel universe. It's not actually what happens in the Marvel universe. That's why it's so wacky. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay, so yeah, yeah I, I liked that theory. Yeah, it fits in well because you have the X Men there, and it's like, but that's not what they like. You know, they wouldn't be involved in this kind of stuff. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. So looking back then on this wonderful twentieth episode dive through one of the most popular movies Marvel have produced, what's been Will your favorite slice? Of trivia, favorite slice of trivia. Oh God, I'm trying to think now. Um, I'm trying to think of what sticks out more, and I really am just thinking. Uh, blind lady locked in a small room with lots of sharp objects. 
I mean, that sticks out for me. Not no pun intended, but it's just like I, I think about that and I think, ah, oh, that's that's my hell. That's my yeah, hell. Yeah, it's her hell as well. Yeah, imagine it's like that's 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 not leaving me anytime soon. Before we leave you, you're desperate for the reading list. We know you are. We get more and more people asking for what they can check out when they finished reading. Uh, when they finished reading the episode, listening to the episode. I mean, I would personally recommend Rick Remender's Uncanny X-Force, but if you're a big fan of this movie, that won't be the Deadpool for you. So I, you know, I, I want to make sure we're doing you the correct service. <clears throat> the Joe Kelly stuff is where you want to start, really, with Deadpool. Joe Kelly and, and Ed McGuinness. You don't get a lot of over-the-top visceral violence, but the comedy starts there. Marvel has a Deadpool by Joe Kelly, The Complete Collection, um, which I think you can pick up for you know less than £30. Or there are slightly shorter trades that are slightly cheaper, paperback collections. You want to start with Deadpool Classic Volume 2. Mm. If you look for Deadpool Classic Volume 2, you'll get the Joe Kelly stuff. Uh, volume 1, you'll get the kind of uh, original Fabian Nassiza, Rob Leefield, X-Force, early 90s stuff. Volume 2, you'll start to get a Deadpool you recognise. You'll get the comedy, the funny, the zany, the insane, you know. Not, not zany, but insane. Um, wild stories. If you love the fourth wall smashing stuff, if that really jives you when he's referencing that he's in a comic book mm. and he's talking about all that kind of stuff... You want to check out Deadpool Classic Volume 6. That collects the start of Christopher Priest's story with the character. And that's when he really puts the, turns the volume up on that fourth wall breaking. If you want the crazy over-the-top stuff that went viral on, on all the websites from 2009 onwards, that can be found in kind of two things. You want to look out for writers Daniel Way and, and Cullen Bunn. So... Deadpool by Daniel Way does Marvel have the complete collection um, and, and that's when he's bouncing around timelines and involves all sorts of over the top craziness for, for super over the top stuff that doesn't even exist in the Marvel Universe you want to check out Deadpool Kills the Marvel <laughs> Universe by Cullen Bunn um, and, and that's how you'll get stuff that is literally just Deadpool killing every character in Marvel, with no problem whatsoever, you, you just you can kill Thanos and Thor and Hulk. <laughs> there you go, off he goes. Um, and we want to remind you, please, 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 don't use Amazon to expand your comic book collection. Amazon are killing comic book shops and the comic book industry, and those things are the only reason these movies exist. You need to take your passion and your love for these characters and use it to support independent comic book shops, real comic book shops, which are the lifeblood of Marvel, the lifeblood of all these characters. For all your comic book needs, you should be heading to nashcomics.co.uk. G-N-A-S-H, nashcomics.co.uk. Jenny and Ewan can order all of this Deadpool stuff for you. You can drop them a line, contact them and say, I want the Joe Kelly collection, I want the Daniel Way collection, I, I, I want I want the, the Cullen Bun Marvel Kills, all of that, 
They can order it for you. Have it. You can pay by PayPal, safe, secure, and they can have it shipped directly to your house wherever you live in the world. And if you sign up for their mailing list right now, you can get that sweet, sweet 10% discount on your first order. So if you want to explore more of Deadpool's adventures, head to nashcomics.co.uk. G-N-A-S-H, nashcomics.co.uk. Will, have you enjoyed 20 episodes with me? 20 episodes. God, it's gone, it's gone by quickly. It feels like, it feels like only 10. It feels like only 10. Uh, we've got some really exciting things coming up. Uh, we've got some really exciting steps on the journey to take. Some TV things, some animated projects. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at Marvel Versus. And of course, the very best way to communicate with us, to stay in touch, and to get access to all of our wonderful bonus content and supporters like you know you should, is to head to our website, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. For listening to Marvel vs. Marvel. Please like us, rate us, subscribe, leave a review, and hey, why not recommend us to a friend that loves Marvel comics or Marvel movies? Don't forget to get in touch with us on Marvel vs. Marvel at gmail.com.